Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, the Doghouse podcast. In the Doghouse this week, we have the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, presenting with me today, I have James Burr, Connor Daw, and Austin Daw, and myself, JJ Williams. And uh, let's just get right into it, lads. Uh, this year was supposed to be a big year for the Philadelphia Flyers. I would uh, easily argue that pretty much every expert and panelist had them projected quite high, and I know I did myself. So what went wrong with them? As as we all know, they're clearly not doing very well, and they've missed out on the playoffs after their coach, Vigneault, said that that's not even a concern. So I'm going to hand it off to James, and let's see what, what went wrong for the Philadelphia Flyers this year. You know, I, I'm going to touch on the biggest one here to, to get us going, and you know, I think the biggest reason that uh, this season went south is simply goaltending. You know, you had Carter Hart come in after, you know, such a blazing hot year last year, um, comes in as an excellent rookie year, and then this season, ice cold. Uh, you know, man can't save anything to save his life. Um, and then you just don't have that depth in, in goal and in the backup there and in the other other positions. And um, I think at the end of the day that that's really, you look at the stats and that's the that's the big the big red flag to me. Uh, what, what do you think, Connor? honestly that's where i based on my research that's exactly where i came down to it i was looking at the flyers month per month and how they were doing goals for goals against and their goals for were never bad they they were generating offense they had kind of like a slow month in april but even then it wasn't that bad but their goaltending like their goals against was incredibly bad Mm -hmm. there's a reason why they're ranked last in the league for goalie or goals against i should say i'm just looking at their stats here and all three of their goalies have an above three goal goals against average brian elliott 3.06 carter hart 3.67 like that's terrible that's bad and alex lyon at 3.33 and the save percentages aren't aren't, aren't better uh they're all below 900 <laughs> so you can definitely tell that there is a problem there do, do you guys think there's a solution for Philly coming into free agency or do you guys see any trades that they might make to acquire a goalie? Or do you think that they're just going to go in next year going, you know what, it was a sophomore slump for Carter Hart and he'll be back next year? I mean, honestly, it's probably a bit of a sophomore slump, right? We, we've seen it recently with a lot of major goalies like uh, Jordan Bennington, Matt Murray, where a goalie will come in, set the league on fire, and then just pitter out the next year because shooters all of a sudden have tape they have ways to study and see how these guys are doing and they adapt now the question is will he be able to you know develop his game make sure he's back to that level he was or will he just get completely overwhelmed by the quality of talent in the nhl that's the big question Austin, what do you think to be honest i don't even think it's a goaltending issue i think there's a split between the coach and the management and what the owners want and what the team is. You know, we all know Vigneault has, like, a shelf life that's very short. And I think, you know, with everything going on with the weird playoffs they had and COVID, I think they just hit that shelf life even quicker than normal. And I think that they're trying to take this young, you know, inexperienced team that's learning how to play hockey and they're shoving these veterans into roles that they shouldn't be in. They're just trying to force this team into something it's not, and it hit ahead today. Do you, uh, with that statement then, would you say that there is a different coach that they could have had this year that would have kept them in the playoffs, even with the goalie stats uh, being the way they are? 
I think uh, I think a coach would help for sure. You know, uh, Philadelphia was the first team to lose to Buffalo to snap that lose streak, which is embarrassing. And then they're the first team to lose twice to Buffalo before we beat another team, which is also extremely embarrassing. And so I do believe that the goaltending was pretty terrible. But when you watch the team play, a lot of the time you're like, what are they doing in front of their goalie? Why are they just letting guys walk in and get primetime shots? Why are they showing no fight? So I think changing the coach probably wouldn't have helped you know, Carter Hart's sophomore slump. But I think a lot of the weight rests on the shoulders of guys like Hayes, Voracek, Giroux, who didn't really help their goalie out when he was going through these periods and not really playing good defense. See, I, I would have to argue differently here. In terms of guys like Giroux, Voracek, and as well as guys like Van Riemsdyk and Couturier, they've been pretty good both ends of the ice. They've controlled the play more than they have not. They, they control the play more than 60% of the time. And e- even though it's not been great, they, I still don't think it's on the coach. Like we, you mentioned like Vigneault has like a shelf life, but he's had four, he had four years in Montreal in the nineties. Then he had seven years in Vancouver and he had five years with the Rangers. He's only on his second year here in Philly. I don't think he's reached a shelf life at all. If you watch this team play, he has lost their own. They don't like trying. They're all, you know, they look pissed when they're on the ice. You know, you don't lose to a team that's lost 18 in a row simply because of goaltending. You can throw out any stat of, you know, they control the puck 60% of the time. But when they don't have the puck, they don't care. Like, Kateri is fighting for a Selkie, but everyone's trying to fight for the Johnny Gaudreau giveaway award. Like, it's honestly brutal to watch the Philadelphia Flyers sometimes. And I honestly think it comes down to the coach. For what I've been reading from fans you know on on twitter and reddit um kind of a common theme i i haven't watched you know a whole ton of flyers games but a common theme i've been reading is that they're not showing up ready to play and they're giving up the first goal a, a lot of the time and and then there were some comments that came out from i believe the president of uh, philadelphia and uh, kind of explaining when they they missed the playoffs you know who's to blame is it the coach the players you know a mix of both and a summary of his comments were essentially is that, um, as I kind of mentioned, the players were coming out ready to play, and um, basically whose responsibility does that end up on is the coach. You know, your coach has to get you fired up and and get you in the zone to play the game, and um, it just doesn't appear that that's that's uh, the case. So, do do we think that Austin, if if uh, Vigneault has lost the locker room, d- does he return next year? Oh, absolutely. I think Chuck Fletcher thinks he's found his guy. He's going to write it off as a one-off year. I honestly think the issue is not Vigneault solely. Like, Vigneault sucks for sure. But the issue is Chuck Fletcher. Like, I think he's the reason why the Flyers is not are not doing well. You know, the moment they fired Hextall, Hextall had this team on a pretty good path. But it was going to take a while to get there. But the moment they brought Chuck Fletcher in, he just immediately just starts trading guys to get these veterans in and trying to make a playoff push. And the issue with that too is he's throwing money at guys who don't want to be at, you know, don't want to play for Philadelphia. Like, do you guys remember when they traded for uh, Kevin Hayes from Winnipeg? And Kevin Hayes basically said, I'm not going to play for Philadelphia unless you give me the money I want for as long as I want. And they gave it to him. And now they're complaining that he doesn't care about the team. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Same thing with uh, James Van Riemsdyk. In what world is 32-year-old James Van Riems like worth $7 million? I mean, you can make the argument earlier on this season that he was definitely worth the money. There was talk that he was even going to be considered a heart candidate because of how well he did 
through January and early February. He had some, yeah, he started off really hot this year. But yeah. then what happened? <laughs> they had well, 42 like, points in 55 games, so uh, JVR wasn't the worst, but Kevin Hayes had 29 points, only 12 of those being goals. So if you're paying a center that much money and he's not the best defensive center in the world, that definitely is a bad contract that's going to come back to haunt you. And he's at 7.1 for one, two, three, four, five, six more years. Six more years. <laughs> they signed him to the max they could. Yeah, just on the Kevin Hayes thing, he usually averages between like six, 0.65 to 7 or 0.7 points per game. This year he was like 0.54 points per game. He had a huge drop in production. And it, like, it was the worst year since his uh, rookie year, actually. And a lot of that, when you watch him play, you know, it looks like he doesn't care. Like, like you know, James said, they don't show up to play. Like, Kevin Hayes is back to his old college tricks of crapping on cars, but this time it's on the Philadelphia ice. Like, it's just so, brutal to watch. Do you think maybe it's not necessarily a Vigneault thing, but maybe that Kevin Hayes is, with the amount of cap he's commanding, also having an A on that team... Being a, being a locker room cancer is really destroying and making it tough for a coach to reach get their message through. I wouldn't put it all on Hayes. Like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna paint you know Kevin Hayes like how Flames fans are painting Kachuk right now. But I think you know in our last couple episodes when we talked about the Flames and the Sabers, we're like these are teams without identities. And I think a big issue with the Flyers, and if you guys you know feel free to disagree is for the longest time the Flyers had an identity, that these were the bullies. And then Ron Hextall took this team into a skilled, really fast young team. And it feels like now that they fired Hextall and brought Fletcher and they're trying to get back into that bully mode. They're trading, you know, they're trading for these big, slower guys, not as skilled. They're trying to become the scary Philadelphia Flyers. And I just don't think that's working with the young guys. Like, I think it's just a bad mix. I couldn't agree more, honestly, with the way this team is built and the way, like, especially their best players, like Giroux, Voracek, Konechny, Victoria, they're not big guys. They're very highly skilled, responsible players, but they're not being surrounded by a ton of talent everywhere else, right? Like, th there's only a certain extent that they can get the help they need. Like, I remember so, Flyers fans were upset that... Uh... What's his name? The really good rookie this year, Joel Farabee, didn't fight somebody. And I'm like, are you really going to want Joel Farabee to be punching <laughs> yeah. a guy? Like, he's that's not what he's here for. That's not his job, for sure. I'm just looking at some of, like, the time the time on ice per game, and it's it's very whack. Like, Voracek is at uh, just under 17 minutes, but Konechny, he, he averaged around 16 minutes a night, like, just below that. So you have a top player on their team barely playing it looks like especially compared to everyone else but what i the big number that's jumping out on the screen right now is Provorov was playing 25 minutes a night Whoa. so and no other defenseman's close uh the closest one is uh sanheim with 21 minutes and 50 seconds so that what's that screaming to me is that screaming they don't trust their defensive depth well and they're basically throwing him out every shift to hope that they, they don't let a puck in the net Another one of their big issues this year is that they're taking a ton of penalties. Like they're on penalty kill like all the time, and they're giving they they're the second worst penalty killing team in the league. So, 
you know, I imagine when you're taking that many penalties, and I agree, like, and even Vigneault went out and said that one of the biggest downfalls this season has been their penalty kill, and they haven't had a defenseman to replace uh, Niskanen that they had last year. And he almost, he put put that on almost the rookies um, and the younger defensemen. Um, you know, I, and so maybe it's, it's a case of Vigneault just not trusting his younger defensemen, um, whether or not that's, you know, backed up or not. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Well, I mean, they traded uh, Eric Gustafsson for pretty much nothing. What Wasn't it like a fourth round pick or something? Yeah, it, it was, it was... less. Yeah, it, it, might, like be, it might have even been a seventh. It, it was a seventh round pick from St. Louis. So you have, a, you have a guy who has 10 points in 24 games as a defenseman, and it's only a minus two. That really doesn't scream seventh round to me. That's That seems like you could get a lot more for that. And I know, as, as Flames fans, you guys were, maybe maybe not your guys' opinion, but a lot of Flames fans were sad to see him go, even after just his short time in Calgary. They thought he could be a great piece. And he was great not that long ago in Chicago. So it's interesting to me that they gave up on him so quickly and traded him for literally nothing, especially when their defense is a problem. Uh, back to the penalty kill, though. The, the famous saying is always, who's your best penalty killer? And that's your goalie. So if you have if you're having bad goaltending and your defense isn't uh, performing the way you'd like them to, or just not good enough, and you're giving up penalties all the time, that's just going to equal goals. You're basically giving goals away. So, I don't I don't know. That's probably on the coach if they're taking too many penalties, or just even the guys in the, in the room who, that's just the way they play. But they got to figure something out. If their penalty kills that bad, you got to stop taking penalties right away. Jeez, especially, especially with the way their goalies have been playing, too. Like Carter Hart and Brian Elliott have been especially bad um, in comparison to like what they were expected to when facing shots that were uncontested, not shots that were blocked, straight shots that they could clearly see. Their their save percentage on that was on average close to what they had as their overall save percentage last year. That save percentage should be about nine forty. It was about nine ten. Well, That's pretty a good huge for Brian dip. Elliott, honestly. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's bit. pretty good for Brian Elliott. <laughs> you know what, though? Flames fans give him way too much hate. I was actually looking at this the other day because I was like, all I remember of his time in Calgary was, man, this guy was terrible. But he really wasn't as bad as uh, Flames fans will remember. Well, that's... no, he, he brought them to the he brought them to the playoffs, though. Like, uh, but that was was that Prompt the year? Their first round exit. That, that was was yeah, that the year they got swept? Yeah, so <laughs> that one? year that year he played uh played 49 games for the flames 26 wins 18 losses three overtime losses with a 0. 0.9 so he was fairly decent <laughs> uh, still see his jerseys and sport checks to this day i was yeah, no one wants an elliot i was at that game four that they got swept at the at the dome just paying <laughs> oh nothing would be a worse feeling than seeing your team get swept but, well, but like Brian, Brian Elliott hasn't been that great since leaving St. Louis, though. Like he, he, that was an okay year in Calgary, but ever since then, it just keeps getting worse. Oh yeah, and he's worse never been the same. Worse. Well, you know? I mean, the, actually, the, his postseason with Philadelphia wasn't too bad. Like in forty-three games, uh, he had twenty-two wins, eleven losses. He had a nine-zero-nine save percentage. Um, you know, played forty-three games, and it's not so bad. You know, they went to the playoffs that year, so. 
that that's and, that's a good record, but it's definitely worse than his time in St. Louis. That's definitely when he shined. I mean, I'm I'm looking at his St. Louis stats now. Holy cow, he was amazing. Gotta <laughs> keep in mind though, like Elliot right now is 36. Yeah, like, so he's obviously getting old. I I you're think expecting Philly will him to replace be the guy. him. No, I I think Philly will replace him. I oh, think yeah. you you'll have to look at either free agency or make a trade. I mean, if you're Philly, why not Ranta? I mean, he's going to free agency. He's a starter slash backup, so he can play more games if you need him to. If Hart doesn't bounce back, but if Hart bounces back, then then Ranta's used to being the second guy as well. So then he can work well there. I totally agree. Oh. Like you, you got to think that in the soft season, you know, they're not going to re-sign Elliot. They just go for someone who's a proven, you know, potential starter in the NHL that can back up Hart. You know, and you run with two, you know, good goalies and hope for the best. Like, yeah, that would play where it's better. We, we, we say a lot like Hart is having a bad year and all that, but he's only 22 years old. Maybe what would be best for Philadelphia is to go with like a tandem setup. Maybe reduce Hart's workload because, again, 22 years old, pretty young for an mm-hmm. NHL goalie, right? You know, you know who's uh, potentially on the market this season that's very much used to a tandem setup? David Riddick. Don't say David Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about Toronto goalie and... It wasn't David Riddick who I was thinking, but Frederick Freddy Anderson. Frederick Anderson, yeah. That's a good point, actually. Freddie Anderson's point eight eight in the AHL this season. I don't know if I don't know if they want him. Yeah, he hasn't played in like months. <laughs> it's his first <laughs> game back after months. Gotta and to be fair, the Marlies defense, of course, pretty like <laughs> Yeah, that's just Toronto's know. defense but worse. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, it's not going to be great. I, the issue with uh, Philadelphia is they have such you know force of nature above them from ownership. The whole reason why Hextall was fired, you know, he's a great GM. He did everything right for Philadelphia, but he was solely fired because he didn't want to call Carter Hart up. He was like, "No, this is the kid of the future. Like, we need to take our time developing him." And they're like, "If you don't call him up, you're gone." So I don't feel like. The GM has the option to go to the owners and go, "Hey, I want to get a tandem guy so Hart can have a couple breaks." He's gonna look at the coach, or the GM, and be like, "This is your guy. Like, make it work." So you think it's ownership is definitely playing a hand in the GM's moves, which is basically handcuffing whoever the GM is to forcing yeah. Hart to play. And I think Fletcher I mean, is playing a big role in that. Like, you look at some of their contracts, like Shane Gostisfier. You know, he has that one amazing year. And then they throw all this money at him, and then they go, okay, now that you have all this money, we expect you to do a lot more than what you are. And he's just not bad. Like, you know, like James said, their, power play, their penalty kill sucks. If you have Shane Gosespear in your penalty kill, of course it's going to suck. Like, of course so, it's garbage. Do you but think like, the he, owner is does that as well with, like, Nolan Patrick then? Nolan Patrick's a weird one. I, I think, you know, he's been incredibly unlucky with his injuries you know before he got drafted he had four injuries and he had surgery for a sports hernia and it's just been you know vertigo concussions another mm-hmm. sports hernia i believe and you know i think they're trying to make it work but you know there's again there's that pressure it's they're one of the highest picks philadelphia's had in years like so long and he's he's been garbage he was supposed to be the and, number one guy he fell to their lap mm-hmm. and they just did nothing with him and he kind of fits that broad street bully type player, at least when he, uh, before all the injuries, uh, you'd see it a lot more, but he's definitely a power forward. And so maybe maybe the ownership's like, hey, just keep playing him, even though he's a minus, like minus 30, make him good. You know, he's the future, which 
which can be brutal if the player's not ready. It can kill their development completely. We saw that with Yakupov. Like, his first two seasons weren't bad in the NHL. 17-18 and 73 games, he had 30 points. That's pretty good as an 18-year-old. Like, he came straight out of junior and went into the NHL. And then in 72 games in the secondary, he had 31 points. So one last game, one more point, which is, again, pretty good for a 19-year-old. And then he misses a whole year because of vertigo. And then this year, 52 games, 9 points, minus 30. So like, I don't like, know at, what you do with the Patrick situation. At, at this point, like say you know they re-sign him on another two-year deal or something, another bridge deal. Like, can can you send him down to the minors and you know almost like restart development? Or at this point, has he played enough that he's kind of you're committing to keeping him in chow? I I don't think you can put him down in the minors. Like guys played three years in the NHL, and at this young age, I mean. Arguably, he was rushed too quickly to the NHL, but I think putting him in the minors would probably be very detrimental. A, t- a team could take him if they tried to send points. him down. Couldn't a team claim him if, if they tried to send him down? If he did in the middle of the season, yes. But not at the beginning. Yeah, in the middle of the season, yes. Not at the beginning. So then I think, they would like, have I don't to think commit. he was rushed. I just think injuries. Yeah. So then what, what would you do with Patrick next year then? Would you. If you were the owner or the GM, would you sit down with Vigneault and say, hey, you need to give him good lines? Or, like, like what would you do? I've got a comment nope. here from a fan, and because I, I think this kind of ties into what you're asking, JJ. And this is a, of a fan off Twitter. Uh, this is his response to... Uh, uh, this was actually an Instagram post that Philadelphia um, posted a few days ago, about a week ago, um, before one of their games, and... Uh, this guy replied, this offseason, please build around Nolan Patrick. This guy's special. He has it all. Speed, accuracy, anticipation, leadership, toughness. His nine points and minus 23 have been invaluable this season. This is a Hall of Fame player. Hall of Fame player we are watching. Hashtag GOAT. And then some guy replied, the only player on the team tonight without a single shot. <laughs> so I don't know if the fans like him that much, to be honest, to keep him around. That might just be Philly fans in general. I mean, they are definitely a hard bunch over there, and if players aren't playing well in, in any Philly sport team or sport, you will you hear from their fans right away. I mean, wasn't it a Philly football game where they booed the quarterback or kicker and with no fans in the stadium, like the Mike guy did it? They played they played boo noises, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and the, so the that quarterback the walk culture. off the field. It might just be it's a hard place to lo- win the fans over, but when you do uh, – they love you, but yeah, what do you and do so in that situation, though? That ties back to my original point of they're trying to fit this tough guy mold. Does the GM and the owner even have the opportunity to break that? Like, will the fans take that? You know, if the Flyers went, we're going in a different direction, we're not going to fight anymore, we're not going to be these goons, we're going to have a young, skilled team, they're going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs in orange. Are the fans going to put up with that? Absolutely And for not. guys like... Like uh, Nolan Patrick, who's been you know injured, is he going to have the chance to gain his confidence back when he's a 21-year-old and fans are going to be booing him when they get back in the arena? Oh, exactly. And that, that definitely causes players to break. And that's why a lot of times uh, when players get traded, they're so much more successful. I mean, I'm sure Sam Bennett feels a lot less pr- pressure in uh, Florida than he does in Calgary, even with no fans in the stadium, uh, just because of the relentless media so maybe for patrick it is time just for a change of scenery maybe philly can make a trade where they get someone else back or two people back who also need a change of scenery 
and just see see how that goes. At this point, well, though, I... like, like I, I'm sure they can't combine the whole lot for him. And when you move from 13th to second in the draft, like he was a second overall pick. Like for mm-hmm. what you're gonna get from him this off season, like it's gonna be embarrassing, like to do as a GM. Well, it, it really will be. Weren't we talking earlier about how he can be taken in the expansion draft? Yeah, he, so, he definitely can be taken the expansion draft. So then, that's the question. Then, are, who are you not gonna protect or trade so that you can protect him, or do you just let him go? Do you just so, let Seattle take him? I just don't a second take drafted player. If you have, if you protect Nolan Patrick, and then you have to protect the guys with the new moving clause, you're probably going to use your last ones to protect Jacob Voracek, Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, and probably Oscar Lindblom. But that would leave a guy like James Van Riemsdyk exposed. So that that's kind See, of the trade off. James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, I don't, that I don't think they will that yeah. contract. Probably not. But on defense, it's a little bit different. Like Seattle probably doesn't have a ton to pick from because Philadelphia will probably protect Sanheim, Provorov, and then probably Myers. And then that'd probably only leave Ghost of Spear as the big contract that they could take. Which, is... to me, would be a steal because Ghost of Spear has been playing actually fairly well. Uh, offensively. Well, 30 speaking. NHL GMs disagree with you because he cleared waivers this year. so They literally could have taken him for free and nobody wanted him. I think, yeah, but... I think that could also play into just the cap this year, though. I mean... How many teams could have picked up a guy for four point five million without a lot of teams that need defense too? A left-handed defender? Oh yeah. Well, I guess if you're in New Jersey, though, you you probably don't want to pick up a defender and just want to get a higher draft pick at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of like. Yeah, I guess so. Like 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 a lot of teams weaponize their cap space at the trade deadline, right? So they don't want to use. They're they're saving their cap space because they can really use it in the off season. It's going to be the same thing for Seattle. They're going to weaponize their camp, uh, and I don't think they're going to be taking Costa Sphere. I think they're going to well, probably they take Patrick and turn him good. Yeah, you think they're going to take that risk? I mean, I guess, like, would it almost be, like, you don't protect him and then they take him, right? I guess it's a pretty low risk because he's not going to command a high contract. So even if it doesn't work out, oh, maybe no. you sign up for two years. Um, at the end of the two years, hasn't worked out. See you later, right? I'm telling you right now, Patrick, if he gets taken... There's no gonna. There's gonna be no goodbyes from the Flyer fans. They're gonna cheer about it on social media. He's gonna see it. He's a young guy. You you don't think he's gonna get booed his first game back? Like oh, this yeah, is absolutely. we talk about like how good Vegas was because there are all these disgruntled guys who got dropped by their teams. Nolan Patrick will pop off more than Sam Bennett has. But people True. also saw what happened with Vegas, so I think a lot of teams are gonna be like, okay, we're not gonna let a guy who has a very high ceiling walk. I don't think they have a choice. You know, everyone's talking about, oh, we, we learned from Vegas. But Seattle goes, okay, we'll just take the guy that you want to protect anyways. Like, you either give us this prospect or we will take the guys the you want to keep. They have the power. And the issue with, speaking of, Kevin the, Hayes has a no movement clause. So they would have to protect him. Unless he waves it, but there's no way. I don't think it. he would. I don't think he's going to. And, and um, even if he did, I don't think Seattle is going to want him. I mean... The contract's way too long, way too high, and he's just not producing. Well, just going back to, to that whole point about like expecting the tough guys and the axe and all that, and then Austin messaging uh, the fans were upset that Joel Farabee never fought. 
Joel Farabee's six foot and less than 170 pounds. It doesn't matter. Like, does not I, matter. I don't, I don't understand. Were they playing Pittsburgh? They played Pittsburgh eight times this year. Never fought him once. Is he a team player? That's, Absolutely that's the mindset. Absolutely, he's a team player. But like... not, in, not in Philadelphia. This is a team that threw wristbands on the night that their owner died. Right? Like, you need to think about the mindset of the city. They do not care if he's, you know, six foot and amazing at hockey. And when I'm looking at the Nolan Patrick thing, you know, we talked about the Sam Bennett situation moving on from him. The Flames didn't want to because he was his highest draft pick. And they tried everything to make it work. When you look at uh, Nolan Patrick, you know, he went second overall. And right after him, Miro Heiskinen, Kale McCarr, Elias Patterson. Like... If you trade this guy that you drafted second overall ahead of all those talents, is that just poor asset management? How can you justify that, that to the fan base? It absolutely is, but the fan base, you don't need to justify it to the fan base. The fan base will will see it. Like, this is an issue. This guy is not as physical. He's, he's probably not going to be as physical. Even though he's a power forward with all his concussion issues, he's not going to be as physical because that would be stupid for his career. And that's going to get him driven out of the town. And his life, honestly, at this point. It's not even his career. It's his life he's ruining if he keeps getting hurt. Like, after hockey. And even during hockey. Uh, the biggest issue is, is not necessarily, like, the team itself is bad. It's it's the mindset of the fans and the, trying to convince the fans that what they have in a high-skilled small team that plays good hockey is what is needed for them to win a cup. At some point, there's got to be, you know, some sort of, like, angst with the fact that, they, you know, they're sharing the state with Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Like, they've been, mm-hmm. you know, in their shadow for, since they got, you know, Pittsburgh got Crosby in, was that, 05, 06? Like, it's a long time, like, and they've, they've starved, I'm sure the fan base has starved, you know, for success for so long after seeing Pittsburgh, you know, their number one rivals get this franchise-defining player, and then they finally draft Carter Hart, you know, who's supposed to be a franchise-defining goalie. And then last season, everything goes super well, you know, look, looking great, looks like finally you have your guy, and then this season hits. Like, that's got to be, like, it's a huge, huge hit, right? Like, yeah, he gets so close. I bet you uh, all those fans still haven't forgiven Patrick Kane for uh, his actions in winning the cup against them all those years ago when they made the final. But you're right. Growing up in your big brother's uh, shadow definitely hurt a lot. I know Flames fans, you guys can relate to that with Edmonton all the time. <laughs> not recently. Not recently. But I think it's not different recently, when it's but... in recent history. Uh, yeah, let's see how Connor fresh. McDavid does this year. Yeah, true. Let's wait, let's wait <laughs> let's and see wait. how uh, McDavid does. Yeah, yeah, David's going to carry Edmonton. It's tough to when cup. your big brother gets the best player in the world, and you can't win, and they keep winning. That would be frustrating. But and even f- then, like think about it, Pittsburgh had the best player in the world for so long, and they had one of the best goalies in the world, as well as an amazing like he'd be a number one center on any other team player in Malkin. Mm-hmm. And how long did it take? And how many years of just shitty hockey and just poor management did the penguins have to endure before they either won their first cup or returned to the cup final again right like they won in 09 and then they didn't make it to the cup final for another six seven years 
there's a point where you got to trust the you know the process, and I don't think Flyers fans have that patience. But yeah. it's and it's 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 obviously easier like as as a, like a pit let's just say a Pittsburgh fan looking back at it now that you've won, going oh it was worth it, it was so worth the wait. But when your team hasn't had that success yet, it's hard to be like oh yeah let's just rebuild and uh, retry everything because then you could end up like Buffalo or Arizona where you're just always stuck doing that and you never get to see victory. And I think that's why fans are a little bit scared to always rebuild, but. At some point, you got to look at your team and go, is it good enough? The issue with Philly is with all their contracts, they're going to have to keep pushing for it. They're going to have to keep trying to be competitive for about four more years here. You also got to keep in mind, like, talking about the whole worried about how Pittsburgh's doing, worried about how Pittsburgh's doing. I think in that little brother syndrome, you know, Philadelphia really wants to win Drew Cup. I think they, they always say, you know, Drew's better than Crosby. You know, Crosby's the crybaby. Drew's great. So I think there's this fear that, you know, we got to make a push and we got to win Drew and Voracek a cup. And so I don't think they have, the, you know, and this isn't just like a fan thing. I think this is like throughout the entire organization with scouts and management and ownership that everyone's like, oh, my God, like the window is closing for Drew. We need to go all in now, even if we're not ready for it. I mean, he's that, you know the year that Carter Hart has. He has one year like, left. That confidence. Yeah. He'll stay so in Philly, but he won't about, be the same. Speaking about Giroux and uh, even Couturier, they're both UFAs at the end of next year. So it's got to be worrying as a Philly fan going like, oh my God, goodness, we have one year left, maybe half a year before we have to trade these players out if we're not performing. So... It, no, it, it's almost looking like it could be next year or bust for Philly. Because even if you keep uh, Couturier, you're going to have to pay him. He's going to get yeah. way more than he's making now. Because right now he's on a, ha- a heck of a deal. $4.3 million. That's really good, for, for especially for the way he's playing. So he's going to want more money. And then Drew might want one last paycheck. We'll have to see, but he is getting older. He's not going to make $8 million. Yeah, the, oh, probably not. But the, no. the door is okay. closing. The door is closing here where and the worst part about look saying the door's closing is I'm looking at their contracts. They have so many people signed for way longer with so much money who aren't star players. Hmm. So that's just gotta be so demoralizing watching Whoa. that. Hmm. But then do you guys expect them then to make a trade this off season or do you think they'll wait, try it I out next so. year? And then make a trade if they're bad. I think their GM came out and said, and basically blamed blame the season kind of anomalous COVID year. Um, you know, especially when they did so well last year with literally the same core. I don't think right now there's a need or especially a want to blow things up. Um, I think there's just some little key pieces like a backup goaltender, you know, maybe another defenseman, um, maybe a goal scorer, but I. I don't think, from what I read, there's any sort of motivation to make any big changes solely based on the cause the same last year, this year, anomalous under underperformance. Yeah, it. it I, I think James is absolutely right here. Like this team has been performing great, and historically they are like very well performers. Are and a lot of the core 
even this year had better offensive years, right? Giroud's game was better this year offensively than it was last year. James Van Riemsdyk was better this year as it was last year. Konechny, same, like, Konechny was on par, but even Couturier was higher. I think, like, the big issues for this team definitely rely on getting a solid defenseman that can, like, anchor uh, a guy like Gustav Spear, for instance. And then getting a backup goaltender because Brian Elliott, like when you don't have goalie confidence on your team, your team doesn't play well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must be hard for the superstars on that team too, who are, they're almost a point per game. Just looking at all their plus minuses, most of them, it's only like minus two minus like five. Like it's pretty close to even hockey five on five. And yet their goals against is crazy. So maybe that, it maybe that is like the big, problem they had this year was confidence when goalies were just letting everything in i mean looking at this team i still just on paper still think this is a good team looking at them they are missing pieces absolutely i think they need a right-handed defenseman a top one to help play up there and uh, log more minutes but this could still be a good team this could be a team next year we're talking about going oh haha i cannot believe we were talking about they're in trouble or they could be at this time next year right back where we are now well actually just thinking about it they are going to be in a bit of trouble and i actually do think there's going to be at least one or two moves i think philadelphia actually might push to get kevin hayes taken by seattle simply for the fact that one like if you don't think you can get value from nolan patrick you're probably going to try and keep him for a year or two even if it's on a bridge deal but travis saham is uh he's a rfa at the end of the year He's already making $3.25 million, and he is their best defenseman. I think they're going to make some moves. I think they're going to, you know, like James said, their owner came out, or not owner, their GM was talking about how bad the young guys have played, you know, how disgruntled he is. And Vigneault likes his older guys too. I think, you know, you look at a lot of the rosters really young, you know, Konechny, Limblom, uh, Avoy Cabell, Farabee. Provorov, York, like this is a young team besides the big heavy contracts. So I think they are going to make some moves. Maybe some minor ones, but I could see one blockbuster trade coming out of this. Just so you, to, you know. You would say one blockbuster potentially, but then almost a bit of a retool with yeah, the you know, defense and depth. One big trade, one sign a free agent who's like kind of middling, you know, a three to four million guy. And then pray to God, heart bounces back. Pray to God, this team can find their groove. So then Although, here, here's their other problem: is where is that cap going to come from? Um, right now, they have pretty much zero. Uh, the only contract, the biggest contract ending this year is Travis Sanheim making three point two five. Brian Elliott's done, so that's one point five free. But you're also going to have to re-sign Carter Hart, which won't be too much. Um, they actually do get uh, some money back. They get 2.5 actually from buyouts, so never mind. They are free of their buyout penalties. So they do have some more money to play around with. I think Hart might get some money, though. I think he's, even as bad as he was, I think he's going to get a bit of chunk of change. So you don't you don't think Philly will go, look, we don't know what you are yet. Let's sign you to a two- or three-year deal. Pretty average, like 4 or $5 million, or 4.5 I think, even. well, that's... I think that's what they're gonna. He, he's gonna get, but that's a decent amount of money, right? Four to five million for uh, young goalies. It's a pretty penny. 
Yeah, true. Yeah. I'm just so used to all these 10 million goalies going every year now that <laughs> 4.5 seems like chump change, even for a great goalie. The issue with this team is the cap is so tied up, right? Like you said, there's so little cap space and they have to pay guys this offseason. Is Drew, Voracek, Couturier, Konechny, Provorov, is that a Stanley Cup winning core? Maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> Giroud and Voracek maybe four years ago, three years ago? Maybe. But yeah, no, Then I don't four think so or three anymore. years ago, and Konechny now, if everyone was at the same age, yes. But where they are right now in their careers... I don't think so. I don't think this is anywhere close to a cup contending core. See, I think I think the issue is they have to get rid of Hayes for cap, for everything. The problem is, who's going to take him? What are you going to have to give up for them to take him? And he has a no-movement clause. So which teams are you even allowed to trade him to? I know Arizona had that problem with OEL where he said, I'm only going to Vancouver or Boston. So it's pretty much impossible to trade him. So I know Connor was talking a bit about them trying to trade or let Seattle take him. So, Connor, what would you think that Philly would give up for them to take him, and what do you think Seattle would want? Because there would still be five years left on that contract after. So even if Seattle takes him, they have him for five years. That would depend on Seattle's scouting, but I highly believe it'd be probably a first-round pick if it was going to be just solely based on pick compensation. Or a top prospect, so a guy like Cam York or Nolan Patrick, as well as like at least a, maybe a second or third round pick on top of that. And then, right. and then of course, following history, Kevin Hayes would go to Seattle, make the Stanley Cup final, and be one of the best players ever. Yeah, and that to me, that's what makes the most sense. Um, but just going a little bit back. To like that cap situation for Seattle or I guess Philly, they only have they have less than ten point five million dollars. They don't have any goalies signed for next year, and they need to sign their arguably best defenseman and their top prospect. Like they need to make a move. They're gonna have to get rid of either a big contract Someone. or move something. All right, Connor. Let me ask you a question then. So you say it makes the most sense logically for both teams, why Kevin Hayes should move, how it should help. What is your sales pitch to super blue blood Boston Kevin Hayes? So Boston, his last name might as well be Massachusetts. What is your sale pitch that you go, hey, uh, you want to go to Seattle? Wave your no movement clause. Leave where you are with your friends. Go play for Seattle. How are you going to pitch that to him? Clearly, when you signed here, you really didn't want to be here and you clearly don't see the value in this team, we'll give you the chance to go chase a cup there. Hey, Bill Gates just divorced. He has an ex-wife there. <laughs> now you are thinking, JJ. <laughs> and he'd be gone. Tell him there's... Uh, you know what? I mean, I guess the only... Uh, it was Kevin Hayes who pooped on the car, right? Yeah, Back that, that was the joke I made earlier. Yeah, yeah so they should the trade car. him to San Francisco. I mean, what's the closest the San Jose? They should trade him to yeah. the Sharks. Apparently he did it again after getting drafted, so I think you just need to keep him away from cars. Oh gosh! But I think the I'm only team Kevin Hayes would even go to would be Boston, Boston or Florida. Boston I can't seem to go anywhere contract. else. Aren't uh, him and Johnny Goodrow really good buddies? Yeah, because they're all you know Boston, Boston. Yeah. Even though I know like where Johnny Goodrow is from is like New Jersey, Philly area. Right. So I could but see him try to like country. make the pitch. 
Yeah. So I can see him make the pitch to Goudreau, be like, hey, come to Philly. We got a group, good group here. But, like, again, where's the money coming from? You know what? what? You don't trade him. You play him with Goudreau. You get Goudreau in. Because <laughs> the rumors have been there forever, so I'm just going to address them. That they want Goudreau. Wow. So you just you go, you know what? You're playing with your friend. You're going to be happy now. We're going to change that frown, put it upside down, and now you're going to be good, hopefully. But if you can't get rid of him, might as well try to help him. But what would it cost for Philadelphia to get a guy like Johnny Goudreau? Especially, like, he's Goudreau, I think we can all agree, even though he's not, like, a point-per-game kind of player, hasn't been for a little bit, he's been playing some stellar hockey. So what would it take to get him out? You're not asking the right cost question, Connor. What would it cost for the four of us to get to Philadelphia when that trade happens? When Philadelphia sells the farm to get a five foot eight forward, <laughs> just to interview the fans, <laughs> a five foot eight guy who's scared to hit. I'd say Johnny Gaudreau is definitely not what's on the hit list for something to get this season. Like that would be insane. It'd be totally insane. But they the don't have the pieces to get up. There. The oh yeah, are always he's there. coming home. I yeah. think well, there's he's a lot in of like, next year, isn't he? Uh, not that I, next year the year after he, well, he's, like, he's under sorry, contract like for one year since last year sorry yeah, yeah so the flames are gonna have to get rid of him well and maybe let's say he goes somewhere and plays then he's a free agent so then you try to get him then i agree with jj like sometimes you know when there's smoke there's fire you know with some nhl rumors if you hear it over and over again it's like okay there's actually probably something there especially with like how small the nhl community is you know there's a lot of there's way too many insiders um but like what are you going to give up for johnny gaudreau and is it worth it because you're gonna well, have to clear cap we were just talking you were talking earlier about when the owner wants something it it happens so what if what if that's why we keep hearing these rumors is because the owners want them and i which is so weird because we were talking earlier about big physical guys and that's like what philly used to be but they don't know what they are anymore and maybe the owners don't know what they want the team to be and I think what it, Philly wants more than anything is a guy who actually just wants to play for Philadelphia. I think well, that's bigger which than Which is sad. Culture. I I mean it's a great it has a great culture. I'm I'm just, I'm amazed that they haven't found winning history like, too. I think Philly it's just almost. people are scared of the fans, right? You know. Why do well, you they, want to go to this team to be screamed at? Well, I think the big thing too is like with Philadelphia, if they were to make a trade for like a significant piece, like Johnny Goudreau, a guy who'd want to play for their organization, they would need to shell out a ton of money, or, or t- like they'd have to move a ton of money to get him. And if they were to move it to Calgary, Calgary would want like tons of picks or tons of prospects to fill that void, because mm-hmm. no none of the big contracts that Philadelphia has, they would move. You don't Johnny think Goudreau. you don't think the Flames would want Konechny? I mean, yeah, but Konechny five point five million. It's close, but the Flames would be up would lose a lot in terms of offensive production. Goudreau has yeah, been but the like twenty four. Konechny's twenty four, signed long term, as I discussed earlier, isn't getting the ice time that I think he deserves. And I know a lot of Philly fans right now are probably st- yelling at the screen going, who's this idiot telling us to trade Konechny? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you don't think the Flames would be interested in getting Konechny back? I feel like the Flames would, for sure. But I'm not sure if the Flames pulled the trigger at just that. Right? Like, Goudreau's been a Flames player for forever. 
and they still do they'll control the market for the next year on Goudreau. And you know what? I'm going to jump back to a point I made a couple episodes ago on the Flames podcast. Travis Konecki's right-handed and plays right wing. The Flames don't have a right-handed right winger or a right winger when Lindholm's playing center, a top one. So that that you know that's a check on the checkbox right there. Long-term, young, good, and right-handed and a right winger, which they don't have. So let me ask you this question, Connor. You agree Johnny Gaudreau's value right now is the lowest it's been, right? No. You don't believe last, this is the lowest his value's been? Last year was. Last Absolute, year? Last year was, for sure. Last year was his almost worst career year. This year, with how bad the Flames have been and how much he's been producing for the Flames this year, like even if his numbers aren't what they used to be prior, right? Like they're still better than last year's. And if you if you watch any hockey, he literally looks like he's giving it his all. He he literally looks like how Kachuk used to. I mean, his numbers are better than last year's. And uh, are you willing to give him one full season under Sutter for his numbers to drop even more before you try to trade him for less value? Well, I think we're getting a little off topic. We're, we're losing the sight of the Flyers here. We're getting a little <laughs> bit into the Flames. And like I said, I don't think Sutter should be the coach of the Flames anymore. I don't well, think it's the right fit on I that think... team. But that was on the Flames podcast. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, link in the description. <laughs> I think a more reasonable trade, and this just might be my recency bias with all the news today. Um, and obviously, this trade would take a lot of like extra pieces here and there. But Travis Konechny for Sam Reinhart. I mean, be interesting actually. Sam Reinhart would really fit what they need in the goal scoring because they 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 do need a goal scorer. That's interesting. He he plays surprisingly tough for not a big guy. He's a net front presence. And he's a bit, he's he's older, for sure. He's 26, but he's not a lot older than Konechny, right? So you're getting a more experienced guy who's, you know, who wants to win. That's what your team wants. You're training him to a team, and he plays right wing, and he can score a lot of goals. Like, a Giroux, uh, Couturier, Reinhardt line could be filthy. It could be filthy, but the issue is reinhardt's a rfa and with the numbers he's posted how the hell did the flyers he's gonna come get that under the cap yeah he's he's gonna command north of 6.57 million dollars oh he's gonna get seven plus you know seven something but so like how does that con- so you trade connect me you get 5.5 off the books and you're getting 2.5 off buyouts so there's about 8 million right there yeah, but then, but you, then you have no money for your zero goalies you have signed, and the right and, and Travis Saham as well, right? Like, but they if the Flyers are going to make a big move for a guy that can be an offensive dynamo, whether it's Ryan Hart or Goudreau, they need to make a big move. There's no way around it. They have to clear cap, and the most obvious point is Kevin Hayes. So actually, if I've learned anything from watching the Vegas Golden Knights is the cap doesn't exist. If you yeah, want a guy, true. it'll just happen. <laughs> or Tampa. <laughs> or Tampa. If you just want a guy, it'll just happen. Like the cap Tampa doesn't trades exist. For a player, and you're like, how is this possible? <laughs> like, and it works. Actually, here's an interesting point. So Voracek has three years left after this year. If you look at their lines that they've been playing on average, he's been on average a third to second liner this year playing on on their lines and he's not even on the first power play how much does he make how much does he make i'll get to that in a second 
He had their most points. I know they still have some games. Or no, they might have finished now, actually. But he in 52 not, yeah. games, he had 43 points. So he had the most points on their team. Remember when I was getting into ice times earlier? With not a lot of ice time. So his trade value is probably pretty high up. I know I would like Voracek on a team. So maybe maybe the move's Voracek, even though he's a really good player. Maybe you have to trade him out and get someone that fits your scheme better. Because clearly third line and second power play, he's doing everything he can do, but he's not playing. Arguably, if you really get into a cap crunch and you're like, okay, Voracek's the guy that's got to go, you don't have to do anything to keep him. You literally just have to leave him unprotected. And he'd be unprotected. The same thing with you James think Shedding Seattle's going to take him with that cap hit? Well, would you even want them? Like, if you were Philly, though, would you want lose them for your nothing? highest point guy getting taken for nothing? Yeah, I don't think so. And, no, and not. I'm not even going to get into would say I don't want this old guy with a big contract. If you just let him go for nothing, the fans are going to be in a riot, and rightfully so. I mean, imagine the Flames just let Goudreau go this year. True. Like, just let him go after all that. So I I think there's a there's a move that could be made there, where you tr- yes he's a huge player for Philly and has been for a long time but maybe you find a player who fits the scheme more who can play on that second line more consistently with Hayes, and it would free up a lot of cap and I'm sure players and team sorry I'm sure teams are gonna want him you're not gonna have to give up a first round pick for a team to take Voracek they're gonna be paying for him. So I think that could be a potential move there, even if you do have to retain some salary. But what team would want Voracek? Or would at least think, you know what, Voracek's the piece that we need. Because you, you're going to have to give up picks and prospects, right? And, okay, so yeah. I, got a, I got a question to pose to you guys. So we're talking a lot about how this core, they're getting paid a lot, you know, they they a lot of their cap is you know pretty heavily weighted towards some of the aging guys. So what is their prospect pool looking like to uh, replace these guys? Is it pretty shallow? Is it pretty deep? Like, do they have some some prospects they can, you know, say they trade away one of their $7 million contracts, do they have anyone they can bring in for, you know, 900000 entry-level three-year deal to at least pick up a little bit of the slack, or, or not really? They are the perennial, like, great team of drafting a guy, and you go, damn, what a great draft pick where they picked him, and then they just knew nothing with him. Like, they have a lot of really good guys that were highly touted when they took him. You know, Morgan Frost comes to mind. Isaac Ratcliffe was pretty good getting him in the second round. But they just, they suck at developing guys, and all the guys, you know, have made the jump already. You know, Joel Farabee's in the NHL. Noel Patrick is in the NHL. Morgan Frost played before he got hurt. Cam York made his debut this year, right? So they do have some help on the way. You know, you're going to have guys like Bobby Brink coming up, Tyson Forrester, who I was a really big fan of. When I did my Between the Benches draft video, I had him go in the first round, and I got relentlessly roasted for it, and he went in the first round. Uh, just going to slide that in right there. Anyways, yeah, he's a great player. Like You got these good guys coming up, but they're they're not going to be the core. And a lot of them are, like, I think Morgan Frost is going to be a great, you know, second-line center in the NHL, but he's not going to be the one that's going to win you the cup. And a lot of these guys are also, they play the wing, right? You look at this lineup, Isaac Ratcliffe, Joel Farabee, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forster, those are all wingers. So you're going to have this elite wing, but how are you going to get the ice time to all these guys when you have all these dudes on the wing already locked up? It's it's coming into like a crunch problem where are you going to be the young team building or are you going to be these old guys? I mean, especially when you have JVR and Borchek on the third line. 
um, those guys who need time to develop on a lower line are either going to be on the fourth line or not on the team. Or if they get thrown on the second line, they might be in a position where they're playing against one of the best players in the NHL for way too long, and that will definitely hurt their development. So that's a great point. You gotta, they got to realize, what team do we want to be? Do we want to be this old team? This was one bad year. We're going to bounce back. We have Vorchek, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny. We're good. Or are they going to go, you know what? we got to trade some of the big names, save some money, upgrade some spots we need, and trust our drafting process. Let these guys come in and take over. That's an, that's that's really weird. And Morgan Frost will be playing next year, so that will definitely help them. Because he was, uh, in his first year in the NHL, he did pretty decent, actually. Uh, oh, I had it. Where did he go? I think he had seven points. Yeah, he had seven points in 20 games in 2019-20. He's and a super this, talented kid. Like, if you take a peek at his OHL numbers, they're ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He had, a, in his last two OHL years with the Greyhounds, he had 112 points and 109 points. So, he definitely has that offensive upside <laughs> in a junior level. Let's hope he can translate that over. But if if you trust, if you're Philly and you go, Morgan Frost is the guy, you have to get rid of a center. You have too many centers. I could see almost, like, you know, I listed off a bunch of guys and I said... You know, there's besides Cam York and you know the first round pick guys who are going to get that ice time. Uh, there's not a lot of roster availability, and they want to win the cup. They think they have a contending team. So, do you think they just start to shop the prospects? I could see you know a Morgan Frost trade to Toronto for a winger or you know a solid top six forward. Mm, to tr- I th- I think that would be a bad decision to make, just because I think their their players are too old to try to try for that because they're not making the playoffs this year they're out so Giroux's going to be 34 yeah you're, you're having a lot of players get into that 30 or already in their 30s getting a year older and, uh, and when i say a lot of players i mean the players making the big bucks on this team i think it's too late for that if they try that and then they're just shooting themselves in the foot even more in the future the issue is though where the mindset of the management is is you know it's like it's like when Yo said there's zero percent chance we're gonna miss the playoffs this year. Like they yeah. think this is the contending core they have that you know Hayes and Giroux are gonna lead them to the promised land. I think they would be willing to make some moves to get. Do you think there. that was a bad thing to come out and say? Like I couldn't believe he came out and said that when they are. It was so obvious at that point that they weren't gonna make the playoffs like the way they were playing. Like, when did that quote, like, I know the quote happened, but do you know when in the season that happened? Uh, I'll look it up. But it was, like, they were, it was, it was like, March too... or April, right? Yeah. I almost I almost feel like it was Vigneault trying to calm down his team. Like, like oh, guys, we got this. Like, we, we got some issues to figure out, but we're going to figure it out, and we're going to be there. So it feels like he thinks their team's the best and really good. But I feel like by doing that, you've almost... You've almost like handcuffed the players where they now have to play good, otherwise you're gonna look like an idiot. And they might have already been like, We're not making it. We have bigger problems. I, I feel so like if he was trying to calm I feel like if he was trying to calm down this team, it would have been like this is a this is our team, this is a good team. I know they can do this. That would be a calming statement. Mm-hmm. Is that but the, the way wrong he did message he sense? just lit a fire under their ass and be like, Hey, sink or swim. Come on. And it looks like I don't, they I don't think that's start. a light of fire, you know? If my but team's the, losing and my coach comes out and he's like, it's fine, we're going to make the playoffs. There's no chance we're not going to. That's not lighting a fire when your team's already being critiqued for 
how they're playing. It almost seems arrogant. It was it, it wasn't it wasn't like it's fine we're going to make the playoffs. It's like we're making the playoffs. This is not an option. It, it's it's a it's get your shit together and get your job done. That's what it was. I mean, well, clearly it didn't work because they lost to the Sabres that's after what I mean. a losing streak. I mean, so we, has we have been, lost the room. We have been crapping on this team a lot and going, "Oh, this player's overpaid. This this player's overpaid." Etc. But how many of us didn't have Philly making the playoffs in our predictions this year? Did any of you guys? No, I, I had them in the top two. I don't know if I would personally. I don't um, know if I would go ahead and say a lot of them are overpaid. You know, maybe one or two of them. But like, it's not like they they're good players. And I've had I had you know quite a few Philly players in fantasy this year, and they did well for me. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe well, I'm not over-highlighting the uh, JVR and Kevin Hayes, but my point is, um, we all thought they were going to be good. They weren't. Their goaltending was terrible. Do we still think this is a team that, let's say they make a move for a backup goalie, get one or two pieces in, like a right-handed defenseman or whatever, starting next year before the season, would you guys then rank them as a playoff team again before the season starts? Or are you guys going to have a little more not. caution? Absolutely. Not recency bias. I'm, I'm right. absolutely ranking them. With, like, the way Claude Giroux has continued to play, he's 33, he said he's going to be 34. If you just look at how he's played, the man is consistent as hell. Even his bad year is like barely bad, considering mm-hmm. how he normally does. This is a man who, and with along with Voracek, and guys like Turi and Konechny will definitely have something to prove if they're still around. This team will definitely have a chip on their shoulder and be like, hey, we're a lot better. And I think, given that Carter Hart has an MCL sprain, they probably shell out for a good quality goalie that can, like... I, I know, like, the whole thing we talked about earlier about Carter Hart, this is the guy, but there might be now a little bit of things like we pushed this guy a little bit too far, he got hurt. We don't want to fuck up our future goalie, our franchise goalie. Get a guy who can at least take some load and be decent. Like Antiranta, like JJ was saying earlier. Yeah, and like just having that other goalie there, like no matter how good the goalie is, if they're the guy, whatever, it helps. Even yeah. even look at Carey Price when Jake Allen was playing unbelievably really well at the start of the year. He hadn't lost a game uh, like the start. I think he was 4-0. Could be wrong on those numbers. But even then, they were still playing Price most of the time. Even when he had a bad game, they were giving him a chance on the next one because he was still the guy. But what having Allen gave them was that opportunity to rest Price when they needed to. Or if there was a big game and Price was completely not playing well, play someone else in and maybe get those points. And at the end of the day, all that matters is the points you get at the end of the night in the standings. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, like, think about, like, a team like Toronto for forever. They've had a goalie, the goalie, and then their backup has just been so incredibly garbage. And if you've seen any Toronto games where they had, like, Michael Hutchinson in net, it is brutal. The team doesn't play well because they don't have the confidence behind them. The, their backbone is missing in those games, and they play like it. <laughs> Having that goalie would definitely make the difference. As well, to add, that right-handed defenseman, if they got a solid right-handed defenseman, not a flashy one, just a solid defensive defenseman, that does wonders to a team, right? Like, look at how well Tanev saved 
Um, <laughs> is he on a one year? How long did he sign? With one year, Hamnick. But I think Hamnick missed quite a bit of time. But like a guy like Tanev, for instance, right? He he came in, he helped incredibly, helped Noah Hannafin, and then he got switched to Giordano's side, and Giordano turned out to be a lot better this year since you know having Tanev. A good right-handed defenseman does a lot for a team. So actually, uh, on goaltending, uh, your kind of point there when uh, teams just aren't playing well when the goalie's not playing well. Tampa Bay. Look at Tampa Bay this year. When Vasilevsky was in, they were incredible. When McElhinney was in, it's like it's almost like they didn't want to try. They were losing to Detroit. They were losing to everyone. So even these like super high-skilled teams, some of the best teams in the league, like Tampa and Toronto, when they have a goalie they just don't believe in and don't think it's going to work, they play bad and they lose. So even just having that extra goalie there, if Hart is the guy or not, that can help. That can give a team lots of confidence and reason to play, which is what uh, I believe James was saying earlier, the fans were tweeting about. They sh- we show up not ready to play. Uh, well, maybe if you believe in your goalie, you have that much more reason to play. And maybe you play a little more, you know, offensive, you know, in, in... – it just even in like mindset, like you know, you're playing it maybe a little further out. You know, you're you're not feeling like you always have to be crouched back in. So maybe there's mm-hmm. a wave effect. You know, you you play more off- offensively, and that leads to more goals because you know, you know, you give away, you know, give up a two on one the other way. You, you know, your goalie's got you got it back. But if you don't, you know, suddenly you're playing a more defensive mindset. You know, you you suddenly you you always kind of have two three guys you know back you know, just in case, and then you're not generating offense. And then in turn, what you end up doing is you end up playing most of the game in your end. Mm-hmm. And and even like you're in the offensive end, you have the puck and you see a pass you want to make. But in the back of your head, you're going, if I miss this pass, if he misses this exactly. pass, they're going to score. We have, you know, whoever, insert whoever in net and they're going to let it in. Where when you're, when you have a really good goalie, you're like, oh, it's Vasilevsky. And even though goalies let in breakaways all the time, you just, you're not even thinking about that. Where when you're like, oh crap, this will change the game. You're going to play with, you know, your grip a little too hard on the stick or whatever. And kind of building on this whole confidence thing, you know, this doesn't have to do with goalies, but just kind of in general, um, one of the ex-players from Vigneault, uh, I hope I don't butcher his name, but Pavel uh, Buchnevich, right? He came out and said in the offseason that essentially Vigneault killed his confidence because he was always worried in the back of his mind if he makes a mistake, he's going to get demoted in ice time uh, to the third fourth line right um and when that was in the back of his mind suddenly you're not playing you know your best because you always have something in the back of your mind so maybe that's playing you know with heart and maybe even Vigneault right maybe maybe he's just not had the locker room and maybe the goalie just doesn't have the confidence of the team like and it's just all like piling up this year and I mean Buchnevich has been pretty good the, the last yes. since Vigneault's yeah. been gone so yeah that, that could say a lot about the coaching there uh, I mean, we see it all the time. You could be a great coach, doesn't mean you fit well with a team. Uh, we see that all the time. I mean, look at Daryl Sutter with the Flames right now. He's been a good coach for pretty much his entire career, but it's just not working. So we see that all the time. So yeah. I'm get what I'm getting from like all of our all of our answers on everything is it seems like most of us are on on the side of it was it was a COVID year or it was a bad year. Don't do anything too crazy and see how next year goes. Is that is that fair to say? I think so. 
I think the one concerning thing to me is you look at since you know 2011 and they've on off made the playoffs, missed the playoffs, you know, for the last like nine years. So you got to look at that and think you got to be a little bit concerned with the core when you see stats like that, right? When they just can't be consistent. Mm -hmm. But like you look, it's so difficult with this year. I think that's like where the fingers from. Exactly, and it's so difficult this year with you're only playing, you know, teams in your division. And we keep saying this every episode, it's so difficult to tell you know, what team is good, you know, what team is not good. Because they could go ahead and go back to regular you know, season playing next year and suddenly you're playing different opponents and then you're, 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 you're knocking them out of the park. So I think it's just a common yeah. theme. You're going to see very little blowing up of teams. You know, It's too easy for GMs and presidents of hockey operations to blame it on COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, a lot of guys also actually. aren't seeing their families you know you're home all the time yeah playing back-to-backs too like it it was a crappy season for everybody and you know a lot of these older guys on the flyers i know just started families right so that can be a huge factor especially when you got a bit of a hard-ass coach like Vigneault. i mean that's true like think about zidane ochara what he signed in the offseason he wanted to sign in a place that was a drivable distance to his family in the same division right like it, it it does definitely take a toll on a player right it weighs a huge amount so here's another uh question for you guys then how much do you guys think their division that philly's in affected where they are because they are in the division of death there definitely are the haves and the have-nots of this division but philly is third last with a positive record in regulation so i want to hand that off to you guys and go would they have made it in another division I don't know. They're the first team to lose two games to Buffalo after an 18-game losing streak, right? Like, I understand this was a tough division, you know. I, I watched my team only win 15 games this year. But you got to win those give-me's against teams like Buffalo and New Jersey. So I don't know if I have the great confidence to say, like, oh, if they're in the North Division, they would have had a Connor McDavid year. Or oh, if they're in, you know, the West, they would have killed San Jose. Because I honestly don't think they, you know, how they're playing this year, I don't think they would have. You know, maybe they might have done better. It's so hard to say. But I just think there's a deeper core issue with this team. Well, speaking of that, I, I think there was a big issue, though, that the the Philadelphia Flyers ran into, especially in March. And this is kind of where, like, their goaltending really failed. Like, yeah, but they helped Buffalo save their, like, snap their streak. But, like, during that time in March, they had 17 games, and they could only string back-to-back wins once during that entire time. But they struck um, back-to-back losses three times, and that included uh, a four-game losing streak. Like, this team really struggled in March, and I think a lot of it did come, like, there was a lot of faulting in goaltending, but there could be other issues as well. Like, they had a 4.41 goals against. And they did get hit month. with COVID in the locker room for a little bit. Like, that, I also read up on that. A lot of the fans think that the team just wasn't the same, you know, after they hit COVID, and that it sounds a lot like, you know, what happened to Buffalo, but nowhere near to the extent that happened to Buffalo. But they seem to have been, like, they started out the year pretty good this year. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, like, at, at one point they, they were winning, they won 11 games in their last 33, like, towards the end of the season. Uh, I don't know what happened, like, because they, they got hit with COVID a little bit. Like, I don't think it was, like, super extreme. I think every night they still had good players on the ice. It wasn't like Buffalo where literally their whole lineup got decimated. But something happened, like... 
after that, and then they just never recovered. Because like I'm looking I... at how they did like, last season, Sergi, I'm just looking at their their stats last season versus teams. So they won the season against Boston. They were two and one. Um, Washington, they they three zero oh, and one. So they they beat Washington. Pittsburgh won one and one. So they tied that series three zero oh, and a one against Carolina. They beat Carolina. Lost their series against New Jersey or sorry uh, New York Islanders and then beat New Jersey. So they did pretty well against division opponents last year with the same core. So here's a bit of trivia for you guys then. Um, where did Philly end up in the league for goals against? This year? Last. Like not, not percentage, just most goals allowed. They, they, had, they allowed uh, goals allowed or like goals per game? Goals allowed. So in total. Last. Last? In this season? Then, this season, yeah. Just this season. Uh, oh. they, they scored one less goal than the Boston Bruins with uh, 163. Let's, let's hear the guesses. They're going to be like... What the twenty seventh? They're gonna be let down. Twenty seventh, Austin. I'm gonna go nuts. Sixteen. This team let in the most goals in the NHL this year. Yeah, they let in more than Buffalo. They let in more than Detroit. More than Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah. More than. I think that's screaming goaltending. Like I don't know what else that screams. Because as I just said, they scored one less than the Bruins, so they can score. But every shot it seems they face, it goes in. So I, I feel like that would just kill your confidence, especially when you're, when you're losing to Buffalo on that losing streak. I mean, how many shots did the Sabres have? Was it like 40 when they won? We beat or them 6-1 to one in our first game. And what were the shots? Like, were they fairly even? or? Cause... I don't remember. I know that um, for, like, a lot of it we controlled the play, and then the Flyers were like, guys what are we doing and they changed goalies and once they got elliot and there was a lot more confidence but yeah i think we outshot them pretty well. i can get the number in just but a second. even so you let in six goals let's even if the sabers outshot them, you let in six goals to a team on an 18 game losing streak that's pretty embarrassing and that 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 would i would have no confidence in my goaltending if that was the case and that was the case all year they let in the most goals and it would be hard to go and play when every play it's going in your net, no matter how well you play. And especially for these players in five on five hockey or like a minus two and a minus three, you must, they must be screaming to themselves. What do I do? Um, can you guys, another piece of trivia, can you guys guess how many games in the month of March where everything started to fall apart? Cause just to, for some context, Philadelphia at the end of February was 11, four and three. So very positive, very strong in the standings, where they ended up at the end of March, 17, 14, and 4. Can you guess how many games in 17 games played in March where they had um, more than four four goals or more against? Against? And how many, sorry, how many games did they play in total? They played 17 games in total. 17. How many games did they have four goals One. against or more? 12. Oh, or more. Uh, 16. <laughs> 12 12 Austin I'm going to go right in the middle 14 so James would be the closest but they they had 10 games 10 of 17 games they allowed 4 or more goals they had a 9 nothing lost to the Rangers I remember that I remember seeing the highlights of that game right and then a week or 3 days later they lose 
6-1 to the Islanders, boys. And Confidence then win, aside, but... you're not going to win many NHL games where the, the other team scores four against your goalie or more. And I'll tell you one stat here that tells you how important having a good defensive core and better, a better goalie has. The number one penalty-taking team in the league is the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they're not oh, struggling yeah. at all. Care, yeah. They do not care because they have Vasilevsky in it. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it actually makes it fair skill-wise when they have a penalty and one <laughs> yeah. less guy on the ice against most teams. Yeah, that, that shows you. Again, your best penalty killer is your goalie. Yeah. If Vasilevsky's out there playing out of his mind, Patrick Ramoon's not going to be af- afraid to th- throw a hit at the end of the play. He's not going to be afraid to play his game. Where when you're scared to take a penalty, pass, shoot, anything, you're going to play worse. And, and I think when you watch him, that effort shows. Yeah, when you watch when you watch the Flyers, like they are so lazy sometimes. Like they're a good team, but sometimes you're like, come on, guys, try. And, and I like. Mean, there's just we not much you can all, do. We and, probably all played in our lives on a bad team or had a bad goalie or a whatever. So we all know the feeling when it's just not working and you're like, oh, we have to go out there again and get killed by this team again. You don't play well and you come out not trying. And you come out not even caring. You're like, you're, you're most, most of the time you come in going, oh, we've already lost, whatever. They scored one. They're going to score four more, whatever. And that would kill your team. And so I that think that's where, like, the upsetness like for the fans come. Like, you know, I used to follow the Flyers pretty decently. They were my third favorite team for a long time. Like, I'm wearing a freaking Bob Kelly jersey right now. And it's just, like, every year it's either, you know, they make the playoffs and then the next year it's just, oh, they just didn't have it. They weren't good enough this year. And then the next year they make the playoffs. So I think the fans are just, you know, they're upset with, you know, enough is enough. Because we on the outside were looking and we're like, oh, what an off- weird off year. But in Philadelphia, this happens every other year. They miss the playoffs and they do it in embarrassing it's fashion. business as usual. Yeah, so it's just like they just want consistency. They want their team to show up and play with heart. You know, and I think that they just didn't. I mean, they played with heart this year, but he played with no heart. He got pulled about from Brian Elliott a lot. They want to play with. But, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that and then you think... What has been the team that has been consistently like a revolving door for goalies? The Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> yeah, true, like, yeah. It's the same thing when you think about the Calgary Flames. For how long were the Flames like, oh, make the playoffs, not make the playoffs, make the playoffs, not make the playoffs. And they were always a revolving door for goalies. Like, yes, I think what they have in heart is great. But if they have, if they really want to stick and have a foundation, they got to shell out for a good goalie. And that's to, the issue. You're... You're a 21-year-old goalie, and you have this whole city going like, hey, you're the greatest thing since we had Hextall score a goal. So, like, no pressure, kid. Because everything after that has been garbage. Like, the last like good goalie Philly had was uh, they had Brzezgalov for a bit. He was, like, hot. And then they gave him a lot of money, and they bought him out. And kind of talking <laughs> on the fans, you know, and how they're kind of feeling right now, and I think they've personally just kind of given up on the team, and they gave up on the team ages ago, and... One thing I found really interesting when I was kind of scrolling through social media to see what um, people were saying on the comments is that when um, Philadelphia lost to the New Jersey Devils 5-3 and they got eliminated from the playoffs, I was really curious what the comments were going to be. And they were all comments talking about their football draft and how they drafted um, Devonta Smith. Like literally every single comment, Devonta though, is the most liked comment. Uh, We got Devonta. 
At least the birds got Smith, lol. Go birds. Like, they don't care at all about this team. All they care about is uh, their football team. And they just build off of that, James. After, uh, you know, because I watched every single game of the Sabres losing streak except one. And so when we finally snapped it against the Flyers, I went to the Flyers subreddit. And, you know, we're talking about how this Flyers team is nothing but, you know, they just quit. They quit trying. The fans were giving up on this team. They're like, it's over. This team's garbage. And at that point, they were like something, you know, like 18, 8, and 2 or something. Like, they had a chance of making the playoffs still. I think they were still in the playoffs by that point. And I'm like, are you guys really going to give up on these guys so quickly? Like, they were completely checked out. Maybe it's business as usual, Austin. They they know they're not making it next year. They go, okay, whatever. We're going to make it next year. This is what we do. So I mean, after watching that football. game, I, I it immediately clicked. I was like, this isn't a playoff team. <laughs> this yeah, is not this a playoff like team. Yeah. It's it's weird looking at this team because they should be good. Goaltending clearly failed them. They're not doing well. And earlier we were all going, oh, they need to make like a retool or changes, but. Maybe it's just the goal. T- I'm I'm leaning more. It's the goaltending's fault. Uh, but b- back speaking of goaltending, and let's say they get Ranta, just the amount of games where Ranta would win a game where another backup wouldn't have for the Cowdies, it kept them close. And in a, in a division of death like this, or even when, if it goes back to normal, when it's always super close. Every game matters. So having a solid backup who can win couple games here and there for you and get those extra points could be critical for them. I mean, they're only, they were only 12 points out this year. And when we're talking about the team that let in the most goals in the NHL, only being 12 points out of a playoff spot. That's crazy. And their, their penalty kill is in case you were wondering, it's at 73.1%. So the only team, That's brutal. the only team worse was the New Jersey devils at 71 and in comparison to what we were talking about with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the most penalty-taking uh, team, their penalty kill is at 84.2%. So you're 11% worse. It's pretty bad. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's worth a lot. So yeah, no, absolutely. 73% that, that's a good brutal. Point. Yeah. They, they're going to have to fix goaltending or retool the defense and hope. But I definitely am leaning more towards goaltending. Get another guy for heart. And I, I do want to bring up one more thing about the Flyers fans, because, you know, as much as they're pretty checked out, we know, you know, they love their birds now um, with Devonta. Um, one thing I thought was pretty hilarious is that they, they are quite funny because the uh, Philadelphia Flyers on May the 4th, so just a few days ago, they, uh, they posted an Instagram post, uh, just kind of like a Star Wars themed post, right? And all the comments were so funny. Like, you guys are going to love these. So the first one was... This season is the equivalent to watching episode 8, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Next one, if we concentrate, we can use the force to change the standings. Next one, this team took a bigger turnaround than Anakin did in episode 3. <laughs> and then this last one, okay, last one, careful Flyers, we all know you can't handle the Sabre. So that one's brutal. Oh, I <laughs> that, like that one. That is, that is, That's was savage. that from a Philly fan yeah. or was that from, oh, I that, think wow. so. Well, I mean, who knows, right? But, uh, yeah, yikes. If we're talking, uh, if we're talking funny jokes about Flyers fans, angry fans, I have actually the subreddit post, uh, the post game thread of when they lost to the Flames or uh, the Sabres after the 18 game losing streak. And there's a, there's a joke in um, Flyers community called Flyera because the official Twitter accidentally spelled their name wrong, so they put an A at the end. 
And so one guy commented, uh, so whenever they do something bad, it's called the flyer of hockey. So a guy commented, <laughs> this isn't even flyer hockey, this is flyeria hockey. <laughs> so this they, they've just abandoned this team like no a lot, one of, a lot of comedians in philadelphia honestly like good on them for having a laugh if you read the saber subreddit it's just sadness it's just crying and to be honest you don't have Giroux. i popped in there they read it you know a few days ago and i didn't see a whole lot of sadness or anything they were just like chatting like it was every other day of the week like there honestly there wasn't a whole lot going on in there i was quite disappointed i was hoping to find like on the saber subreddit you see a lot of passionate fans flames subreddit you see a lot of passionate angry fans i did not see that at all in the philadelphia they were they're completely checked out they oh they they're left out? the arena they they are they are nowhere to be in <laughs> sight like you cannot find them i i'm starting to think my theory's right where they just were like you know what we're not, we were never going to make the playoffs this year, but next year we're making it. So why be back who cares, in. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is how it is. Yeah. Uh, Busty Act 6115 after the Sabres loss said, I picked the wrong month to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't know if these guys are serious or not, but like, you know, it's if pain. they're serious, stop. But if not, haha, hilarious. If we're talking about, you know, and I keep talking about how bad their ownership is. I got a little trivia question for you guys. Do you know who the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers is? No idea. I don't know. I can tell you. So it was Ed Snyder for the longest time. He was the one who brought hockey to Philadelphia, made them the greatest team. When he died, it went to his kids, and his kids sold it immediately to Comcast. Ooh. Ouch. So are they ever going to be able to have that shakeup in the organization if Comcast is the owner? Comcast owns <laughs> like the just Flyers. Ouch. Comcast Spectator owns the Philadelphia Flyers. That's super weird. It's kind of oh. like uh, MSG owns the Rangers. Yeah, but MSG is the building at least, and it's a lot better. I would. I look at the Knicks. I would not say it's better. The uh, the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Don't you dare talk shit about the Knicks. They're also what the third most valuable sports franchise in the world. Their owner Barcelona also and Mad, uh, Real Madrid. Which their is owner nuts. also tried to ban Spike Lee from the arena, and a Hall of Famer. So again, owner not great. But yeah, I just I don't know where the Flyers go from here. Like I think it's just boiling over with the fans, and you know you can look at that like when you look at the Sabers and we're like, oh, you know the fans are boiling over. A lot of Sabers contracts ends this year. You know, you can change, you can choose, are we going to rebuild or are we going to commit to this? With the Flyers, like, you don't have a choice. Hayes is signed there. Voracek is signed there. Giroux is signed. Like, everyone is, you know, you don't get a free card out. Arguably, their two best forwards expire next year as UFAs. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm just going to say their two best forwards. I'd say Konechny's third, third, fourth, maybe behind uh, Voracek, but... They're done, and you have the guys who aren't producing as well as you'd like or just getting paid a bit too much. Those are the guys signed, so you have to stick with them. No one's going to take them. But you're in this hard spot where, crap, do we try to keep our guys or do we trade them, see what we get, and then our team's a lot worse, but at least we have cap. I mean, one thing that did hurt the Flyers this year, I will say, uh, Matt Niskanen didn't play a single game, and he was their most expensive right-handed defenseman. Yeah, because he retired. And he backed up because, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he retired. And I guess that, I guess, like, what do you do in that situation? You have a guy to play right-handed D uh, to replace Gudis. Because that, that was the Gudis trade, right? 
I believe so. so. It might have been uh, Gudis for Braun, one of the two. I thought Braun was free agency. Anyway, anyway. Uh, you might be like, oh, this is the guy, and then he retires, and you're like, oh, now we don't have a guy, and the season is already playing, so that that could definitely hurt. But it doesn't didn't look like they really have a had a backup plan on the right side for defense. All their top defensemen are left-handed. Yeah, and there are some quality right-handed defensemen, but but there are some quality like right-handed defensemen available, right? Like we talked earlier about blockbuster moves for the Flyers to make. Right. If the block, if the flo- if the Flyers can free up seven million, don't say Dougie. Do you know what they, they would try to say <laughs> Dougie say Hamilton, Dougie. baby. I can't wait for every single uh, <laughs> video that we do from now on to be Dougie Hamilton's going to this team in free agency. It's just the retail all over year. again. When he wins the Con Smythe and the Norris this year, he's staying put. He's gonna get ten million. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's not going, but if he somehow hits free agency, and then if the Flyers can free up cap, absolutely they should make a huge push for Dougie Hamilton. But <laughs> other guys like David Savard, Adam Larson, Good Branson, Brandon Montour, Sammy Vatnin, there are some players that they could get that are decent depth and are a lot better on the right-hand side than what they have. Right-handed defenseman who has to be tough? Ristolainen? Yeah, we're already, we're already made so. a lot of Jets fans and, angry and with Versailles. So. He'd play top two. <laughs> Why are the Jets fans booing me? I'm right. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but after I roasted their defense, they went on, like, what, an eight-game losing streak? I'm just, I'm just going to put that there. pretty brutal. They're limping into the playoffs. After some pretty crucial injuries. But, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Who do you think Philly goes for? For a right-handed defenseman, if they go for one, who do you guys each think they're going to go for? Ristolainen. That's my bet. He's a free agent at the end of the year? He's not a free agent, no. but he has one year left oh. on his contract. Oh, I see. So they can just Honestly, pretty easy. with the cap they have, uh, no fuck one. it, take a shot at Travis Havnick. Million dollars for a guy that can play right-handed and he's just a shutdown guy? Yeah, I, I honestly agree with that. I know he uh, didn't play his best hockey in Vancouver, but that could honestly just be Vancouver's defense. <laughs> like, like it I wasn't mean, yeah. the greatest this year. And they, why not take a chance on him? I mean, he was great in New York and even his first couple of years in Calgary. Yeah, he, he, was, he does. He, he's a solid shutdown. He'll never put up the points, but that's not what they need from their defense. Mm-hmm. They already no. have mm-hmm. three defensemen that can put up points. And would do you think Hamannick would make that penalty kill worse? I don't think so. So oh, why not? not? No, that could be a great move, actually. A cheap one. Uh, would Hamannick move, though, with uh, just with COVID and everything? Because I know he Probably backed not. out uh, the play. playoffs yeah. last year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because of his kids, which is he's totally allowed to do that. It's within his right. Uh, but do you think he's going to want to be moving around? I guess the states, though, he'll get vaccinated quicker the, the, if, if they're not already vaccinated. But There was talk in, during the offseason prior to signing with the Canucks that he wanted to go actually to the East Coast. Well, then there so, you go. It is completely possible. With the possibility, too, of you know a lot of good teams losing defensemen, you know, I can see not even a free agency move, but looking before the draft trying to make a trade. And True, yeah, one that teams... might sound a little crazy. This one will also need a ton of draft picks because, uh, you know, obviously to make the money work and the value. But uh, Voracek, Calgary for Tanov. 
He's a right shot defenseman. He's a right shot defenseman. Tanev is exactly Calgary. who they want in Philly. Tanev is one they just signed. Two, exactly what the Flames needed on the back end for forever. And three is a fan favorite. He's probably one of the biggest like fan like. There's no one that like is almost as untouchable as Tanev right now for the Flames. But you're gonna lose a defenseman for free. Why not Giordano. get something back? The what Flames if Giordano doesn't their... wave? What if Giordano doesn't wave? And then you buy him out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you well, like, hey, you I don't know. Could you do that? You, <laughs> you could. Um, yeah, but... they're gonna be t- paying for that for like ten million years, wouldn't they? No, no, no. Because he'd only have. Well, I guess by the time they bought it out, he'd still be on two years, which would be but harsh. But I mean, you also got to think Calgary had some guys years. exposed in the Vegas draft, but they went with Derek England because he was a local boy. Calgary also has a local boy for Seattle. Derek Ryan played a lot of time in the North Pacific Northwest. So, <laughs> but he's not. But he's not from there. He just played. He's there. not. He's he not from Derek England's Canadian. Yeah. He's, yeah, not, he he's not from Vegas, but like they have ties to the area. And having a local guy that has ties, who and let's be honest, Derek Ryan's a lot better value than Derek, Derek Ryan. Actually, is. is from the area. He's not Canadian. He's from Spokane. Exactly. That makes a lot more sense, right? You could probably so be so like, they're take just a take Derek Ryan, a thirty-four-year-old fourth-line center instead of a top defenseman. He, he could play third or even second line on a team that, depending on what their status is, he's been a good player. He's not a bad player by any means. I, I just feel like you'd get more trade value though, because if they take him, and let's let's say they recreate Vegas's magic, perfect. But if they don't, and they're not a playoff team, then you have a 34 year old, maybe 35 by the time this happens, who you're going to have to trade, and no team's going to pay a lot for. Where if you take a right-handed or left-handed fourth slash fifth defenseman, it's going to be worth a lot more, even if you're good or bad. You can trade them, and they'll be younger, so you have way more time to trade them than Derek Ryan. No, I mean you're right, but I, there, I don't think there's any reason why the Flames don't protect Tanev and try everything in their power to expose Giordano. You never know. Dion Phaneuf refused but... to be exposed. That is true, actually. He refused, and then and then immediately after that, asked to leave when they traded him. Jeff Skinner today got asked if he was going to waive his no-trade clause, and he was like, why would I even consider that? And, like, my heart fell so hard. <laughs> I really hope you didn't sign him till the end of time. I, I didn't understand. Uh, dude, think of the end of time plus, like, five years. Oh, okay, I will. You guys are like, oh, yeah, we're about to get rid of Ocpozo's contract. Wouldn't it be great? Having cap and all of this stuff, and you do that. But actually, this brings up a good point, though. Maybe teams are going to learn from. I know you were saying earlier, teams are, are going to want to learn from Vegas, where they basically just gave Vegas everything, and Vegas was really good. But, and then you were saying also how they might not have a choice. They're not. Their teams learn. now might be looking more at each other for who to trade with instead. Instead of creating another super team in the West, maybe like maybe trade a defenseman to Philly for a guy who is automatically protected or too young or just draft picks or whatever. Maybe there's going to be more of that so they don't create another super team and they're not they're not held hostage as much in the negotiation table as they would be with Seattle, who has all the power going into this draft. 
The only difference is, is their GM is Ron Francis. Like, George McPhee's kind of an asshole, which is great for Vegas, because he literally called up teams and he's like, you're going to give me this or I am taking what you want. Whereas I, I kind of just don't see Ron Francis doing that. Like, he's such a gem of a guy. But the scary thing about Seattle is they're going to have the greatest analytical team. You know, they, they've built this super strong analytics department. Their GM is Ron Francis. Their assistant GM is Jason Bodrell. Like, they're going to be lethal out there. Maybe they can get, um, like, you know how Amazon has that, uh, like, store with no one, no cashiers? It's all just cameras. Maybe they're going to use machine <laughs> learning. <laughs> for their team in there in the the green arena i think there's going to be a lot of funny calls where seattle is going to call a team and be like hey you're leaving this guy available and they're like well of course you are but why do you want him like, no reason <laughs> like a lot <laughs> of teams are going to realize that tree living's gonna be like what do you mean you want mangiopani what does he do that's good they're like oh nothing he's better than kachuk <laughs> oh i'm sorry i said that after a guy had 14 games without a goal Ooh. <laughs> Manji Penny represented me strong there. No, completely. I mean, Manji Penny is pretty great, but just getting back to the Flyers, there's like there isn't a ton of right-handed defensemen out there, like especially the ones that are going to free agency. And if you're looking at trade, there are quite a few right-handed defensemen that you could maybe work their cap around. But what what would you have to give up for like, let's say like a guy like uh, Colin Miller, right? Or Brandon Carlo, right? Like those those guys are on small caps and have at least another year more. You know Colin what? Miller, they can have for a bag of peanuts. He's garbage. <laughs> you know what? Right-handed, Stanley Cup winning, proven leader, defenseman, who's a free agent, Jarmelson. Why not? He isn't going to make the money he made in Arizona. He's a shutdown guy. He will make that penalty kill better. Why not? Doesn't have to be the star of the show. Can just be on a piece of a big puzzle. Actually, fuck it. Zach Bogosian is going to the Flyers. <laughs> Stanley, well, Cup champion. Stanley, Cup yeah, champion. Stanley Cup champion. Stanley Cup champion. Zach Bogosian. 2021-2022 Stanley Cup champs. Have you noticed yeah, how Victor Hedman has not been the same player without Bogosian? Like, come on. Put two and two together. <laughs> come on. Has Thank not been you. the same player. Is in the top three for scoring. A sneaky pickup I can see for Philadelphia because Buffalo might have to expose him in the expansion draft with how our contracts are laid out. And I know a lot of you guys probably don't even know who he is. Is Will Borgen. He's a right shot, young, shutdown defenseman. And he's exactly what Philadelphia would need. If you put Will Borgen with Gustafsfeer or Provorov, that would be lethal. Like, he's literally just like a more physical method. But you said um, he's exposed? So with how it how our contracts are, it's either exposing him or Ristolainen. Yeah. And the league, like obviously no you're not going to expose your biggest yeah. asset in mm-hmm. Ristolainen. But then if you if you're Philly, who do you like? Who do you give up? Who was already exposed mm. so that you can fit him in? Because you already have Patrick potentially being exposed, or another good well, player. A, if you don't because he's Patrick. a defenseman. They they'd only have to worry about protecting another defenseman so they probably do something like Provorov, Borgen, Sanheim because they don't yeah, we already know they don't care about Juru, uh, Ghost of Sphere and then the rest of the guys I don't think they're more worried about they would have to probably move a forward out and hope to protect Patrick or maybe they even send Patrick the other way and some draft picks in return 
But, you know, the Patrick trade is so risky. I, that, like, yeah, that's the thing, too, yeah. The, it's, it's, so almost, it's almost impossible for them to win that situation because if they trade him like, and he becomes really good, they'll never hear the end of that. They traded a second overall pick. After, after what, three, four years? Uh, yeah, after a couple years, he missed a whole year of playing because of injury, so he didn't even play. Especially like for a guy like Will Borgen. It doesn't matter if Will Borgen is the piece that wins them a cup. He's not a flashy player. He's a very level-headed shutdown defenseman right so the moment patrick does like a flashy goal it's going to be everywhere right he's not going to there's show no, up there's the no same phase for the, yeah. the but, defenseman right yeah I, I think we can all agree that it doesn't matter it, it, like it doesn't matter what trades you make if you win the cup you won the cup that that's all that yeah. matters right and i think a lot of people including myself will say you know what it's justified you won the cup yeah, did something I mean, that's very yeah, difficult if, to do. If the Blues fell apart right now, I don't think many other fans would be too upset about it. They got it. They got to taste the honey. I Same mean, reason why Washington didn't try last year. They were partying at the Toronto place. They won the cup. They didn't care. They already won a cup. Yeah, exactly. And even if you then have all these bad contracts or like, or players who just are not what they're worth a couple of years ago, like Chicago, when you looked at Seabrook doesn't matter they won i mean i know chicago won more than once but but like once you've won it doesn't matter what bad moves you make for a certain amount of time after that because you're still in that oh we won this many years ago where when your team hasn't won in a long time the pressure's there always and every move you make is going to be scrutinized if your team starts to get worse again like think about the pressure that the canucks faced in like 2011 because the canucks never won a cup and that was what getting close to 40 years that pressure right there that that's immense and not even just the canucks pressure that's like when you're in the canadian division it's canada hasn't won a cup since in my lifetime montreal was the last canadian team to win when was that uh 93 93? so even even the canadian teams they'll have that (laughs) bit of extra pressure where it's like oh my goodness no canadian teams won in this long and philadelphia feels the same pressure they haven't won a cup since the broad street bullies 73, 75, and they had a team with Lindros on it. Yeah. I mean, and, I guess that really helps why, like, the Philadelphia fans are so critical of their team and why they still think that their identity should be a toughened team. That was the last team that had success for them. And, you know, it's hard to see when you have, you know, you have Lindros, but he's not as good as Mary Lemieux. He's not going to win a cup. And then you get Giroux, but he's not as good as Crosby. He's not going to win the cup. And so I think Philadelphia fans are just so goddamn pissed that you know pittsburgh keeps doing it and they just can't they can't even you know they made it to the dance 2010 made it to the finals but they can't even come close to what you know pittsburgh's come to and i mean chicago bullied them i mean i don't they weren't they weren't going to beat chicago in that uh, in that final which i mean no one else did so <laughs> not to crap on the flyers there but they definitely weren't the favorite no they they, they were against impossible odds and they just didn't have the team to get there. And unfortunately, you know, with Pittsburgh, when they came against impossible odds against Detroit, they had, you have Crosby. You're going to get another chance, and you're going to get another chance. And even this year, they have another chance, right? You, you have unlimited chances to win a cup when you have Crosby on your team. And Philadelphia just doesn't have that. And, you know, obviously, you Flames fan knows it sucks when the, your neighbor rival has a generational superstar, and you guys have nothing. 
Yeah, it, it, it's probably the worst feeling in the world when your bitter rival is succeeding and has a generational talent that just let's be real is either gift it like falls into the lap but it's most likely just gifted by the nhl right like gretzky shouldn't have gone initially to the oilers but they got him and then mcdavid definitely shouldn't have gone to the oilers he should have gone to sabers and then crosby oilers should not him. have gone to Phil, uh, pittsburgh Cro- crosby to- shouldn't have gone to pittsburgh they got him same thing yeah. with Malkin. Malkin shouldn't have gone to Pittsburgh. They got Malkin, too. Like, the Lemieux tank year, even though we weren't alive for it, is a thing of legend. You, like, you look at the Pittsburgh team that tried to get Lemieux and the Devils team as well. Those are not hockey teams. Those are like eight guys who worked at the grocery store who just came to the arena. Like uh, the Buffalo team when they were trying to get McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, literally like, that time. They would win 10. a game and they would sit him or trade him. They're like bad. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea how crazy the McDavid tank was, uh, the next year Toronto finished last to get Austin Matthews, and they had more points than they did in the McDavid year. Wow! Like that McDavid tank from top to bottom was was the most <laughs> disgusting thing in hockey. I mean, we're talking about the third most offensive player of all time. I, I would say that's fair. He's not more offensive than Lemieux or Gretzky, and you can fight me on that, anyone. But, like, yeah, like, it, it, it sucks. It's, it, and it's got to be tough for Flyers fans right now. Yeah, I feel for the Flyers fans. All right, so moving on to our next segment here. Uh, this segment, we like to give a dog a bone and put someone in the doghouse. So uh, what that means is to give a bone, we're going to mention a player who we think uh, played well or did the best they could in the situation they're in. And then we're going to put a player in the doghouse or someone in the organization. And that just means we really think they didn't have a good year or are a part of the problem. Uh, So starting us off, I'm going to start with uh, Connor Daw, uh, who – would you like to give a bone to and who would you like to put in the doghouse so i'll start off with my doghouse pick and none other than kevin hayes uh it it was between kevin hayes and brian elliott but i can't really blame brian elliott he's getting up there in age now that kevin hayes has been hot garbage in philadelphia he's been garbage for his entire time he just keeps getting worse and worse in there and he he extorted the team to get that and I, i'm pretty sure he's a locker room cancer too like there is no excuse he doesn't produce and he takes up almost nine percent of their salary cap kevin hayes is absolutely in the doghouse he sucks but on that note no to give a bone to um <laughs> th- this is going to be controversial shane goes to spear really even, even though he was waived <laughs> <laughs> even though he was waived Shane Ghost of Spear has never been a good defensive defenseman. I'm not going to hold his defensive abilities against he him. He's only been a minus playing two. A lot. He's only a minus two. He plays on the penalty kill, which is not something he should be playing on. But his production is actually increased compared to last year. And consistently throughout his career, he's been a .5 point per game defenseman, which is really good for an offensive defenseman. And that is including this year. So I will absolutely give Shane Gostisbehere a bone. He deserves it, and he just needs a defensive partner. Uh, the NHL website says minus five, so I'm not sure which one you guys are looking at, but whatever. That's not a Either big way, difference. for a minus two or minus five on the t- team that gives up the most goals in the league, I- I- I'll give him a pass. 
I'm going to counter that, though, saying most players on their team are, like, barely a minus or a positive. Except for uh, Borchek and Patrick and, and then some Sanheim and some other defenders. Yeah. But. yeah, but those are my picks. Uh, very let's interesting. It, let's get over to Austin Dog because clearly he has a lot to say there. I would I would change your sentence of saying Shane Gosisphere is not a good... I digress. Uh, who I'd put into the doghouse, uh, it's got to be Carter Hart. Like, those stats are unforgivable. Yeah. You know, you come in, you're the guy. You know you're going to be the guy. And he did really good last year, and they're expecting, you know, huge things from you. They're going to ride you to the playoffs. You're like, boys, I got this. And you finish the season with a point eight seven seven, And, you know, it's hard to say what went wrong. You know, this is his third year before his big contract, and that really sucks for him, and his confidence is just shattered. But, you know, it's just he's got to be the one in the doghouse. He's just been the biggest part for the Philadelphia's reason why they're sucking is, you know, their bad goalie. Who I'm going to give a bone to, however, is um, his bottom six player. He's on the younger side. He's been really good for them, and that's Nicholas Abdul-Kabel. Alberta boy, always hardworking. He always gives it his all. He's one of the few Flyer guys you can watch, and you go, all right, well, at least he's still trying. And he's what the Flyers want. He's tough. He can score. He puts in all his effort. He took Tom Wilson's knee out. You know, he's already a fan favorite. Like, there's nothing this kid can do wrong. I, I'm a big fan of him. I think if you have guys like him, maybe they can get guys like Hayes motivated. Very interesting that you pick the guy with the most penalties on the team when they have the worst penalty kill in the league. Are we are we doing the Philadelphia Flyers or are we doing like yeah. the Philadelphia Ballet? Come on. Come on. <laughs> you pick the guy with the most penalty minutes. Come on. That's fair. That was a very Philly answer. I want to hear Jimbo's Jimbo's thoughts on this one. Yeah, I'm not going to be original, and I think it's pretty clear for a lot of reasons we went in this episode. I'm putting Carter Hart in the doghouse, too. You know, there's there's, there's a number of reasons. <laughs> exactly right. What a surprise. You know, uh, 0.877 save percentage in 27 games is just brutal. Like, 3.67 like goals against average. Just been, you know, a terrible season. I hope for the best for the guy. I hope he can just you know put the season behind him, gain his confidence back that he had last year, because it's just going to be so key for him. He's so young, you know, so, you know, he's in the doghouse right now, but there's no reason why he can't be given a bone this time next year. Uh, for a bone, I'm going to give it to um, their great center, Sean Couturier. You know, he, he, he has been injured for a couple, you know, weeks in the year. Um, but when he came back, he was great, you know. And one of the main reasons I know that, I have him in fantasy. I drafted him, you know, fairly high up, and you know, I was I was pained when he was on injured reserve, you know, for quite a lot of the first couple of weeks of the season. But you know, as soon as he came back, you know, he was getting points. You know, he was doing big minutes, and he's on a pretty friendly contract right now for another couple of years. Um, just seems like all overall top lad, you know, who's really putting in the effort this year and um, definitely been an outstanding performance. I think uh, when you look at a lot of the members of the team. So, I'll pass it on to JJ. What are what are your picks now? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I was going to just say goaltending uh, for the doghouse, but that's already been covered twice. So I they're a close second, but I'm going to put Nolan Patrick in the doghouse. I mean, so he, averaged 13, he averaged 13 minutes a night and was a minus 29. So that, that speaks volume to me. The next, like, worst was minus 21, but that was a defenseman playing 21 minutes as Sanheim. So a defenseman on a team that lets in a lot of goals playing lots of minutes is going to be a minus. That's just how it is. 
where a third slash fourth line center who was taken second overall. I know he's had all these injuries, and I've always I've always liked him. I want to see him succeed, but this year it just wasn't good enough. Uh, I'm going to say the exact same line James says. I hope next year, this time I'm giving him a bone, though. I'd love to see him turn it around. If not in Philly, wherever he gets traded to. Uh, who I'm going to give a bone to? Oh, that's tough. I am going to give a bone to Linbaugh. I mean, just his story is incredible. Uh, even just to be playing right now is incredible after the the battles he's gone through off the ice uh, the last year, or last couple years here. But it wasn't the best year. His point, you know, I'm not going to say take this guy, trade everything you got for this guy, but just to see him turn it around, still be playing, and to be a decent player. It's just amazing. And I'm really happy for him. So I'm going to give Limbo a point. Limbo's pretty great. Yeah, I think we can all yeah. agree on that. I think they rallied team. around him. You know, he's, he's definitely a locker room. You know, maybe, yeah, look at his points. You know, he's not the highest point in the team, but, like, he's definitely someone who probably sparks a lot of emotion to the team and really motivates everyone. So He's a yeah, solid two-way guy. And, I mean, as I just said, like, I'm going <laughs> to keep going on about it now. Just to even see him play is incredible. So, because yeah. there where there was times where we're like he's not going to play again. So, very scary situation, similar to like Mary Lemieux when he got cancer. You know. Yeah. So I'm going to give him a bone. Hardest working guy on the team, off the ice and on the ice, and uh, it's great to see him back. Uh, so the last little segment here I want to do, just as we fade away from the podcast, isn't really too much related to Philly. It's actually about Austin's uh, captain, uh, Jack Eichel. Captain, uh, my captain. Some, he made some very interesting uh, comments today. Uh, he's, he believes there's a disconnect between uh, him and the fr- and the organization since his injury. He believes it wasn't treated properly, and he got a second opinion at a different hospital. And he said, the, uh, quote, the most important thing now is to get healthy and be ready to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. So it definitely sounds like he's not happy or wants to get out or whatever. So I'm going to hand it off to you guys. What Do you think this is just just trying to get a bit of attention or try to stir up some change in the organization? Or do you think he's generally frustrated and wants out at Buffalo? He's got to be generally frustrated. Like, There's no way this man has played this much time in his career and see nothing and not be frustrated i've said this before that every season you know he comes out to the press and says how he's he's tired of losing you know he's fed up with losing and uh it's gonna change and it just never does and i don't know i'm curious to see what austin thinks is also i'm curious if that was just a kind of a you know a headline buzzword um because i know you looked a bit more into this right austin yeah, I was like Kyle Dubas today with my two phones. I was just like, I was reading everything you possibly could. Had to tie um, Toronto into the video somehow. Yeah, Corey's got to get the main police in this. But uh, it's also like super important, like anytime you read anything about a Sabres press conference is you got to like ask yourself who's asking the question because the Sabres have two notoriously bad reporters in town, uh, Paul Hamilton and Mike Harrington. Like, they just kind of always ask these garbage clickbait questions. That's why we always see them with Buffalo. Like, one of the questions Mike Harrington asked uh, Sam Reinhardt today was, you've played 400 teams for this, uh, 400 games for this organization, and you can't tell us why you haven't made the playoffs yet. Like, that's not that even a question. question. That yeah, was his question. Like that's not even a question. <laughs> yeah, like, like this guy is... suck. Why do you suck? This guy's always been a wank. He's, he's terrible. If anyone ever critiques him, he blocks them on Twitter. 
So you always have to look at where the question's coming from. Um, but so with the newest CBA, the, the NHL is approved of players being able to get second opinions. Because this is like before, like, you know, this is obviously before a time. This was a very common thing. Like NHL teams would go, suck it up. It's an injury. Suck it up. You're playing through it. You're not getting the surgery. But now you can go get second opinions. And so this is a bit of a murky situation in that we, we haven't heard from Kevin Adams yet. He hasn't given his postseason press talk. We've only heard from Eichel, Reinhardt, Ocpozo, Skinner, McCabe, and Allmark. Those were the six who talked today. So this could be a lot of posturing to get what he wants, the surgery, or this could be a lot of you know genuine upsetness of the organization. I do want to know more as to because you know the first opinion you get is from a doctor from the team. Because I remember when Eichel got hurt, they said it was week to week, and then it came out and he's like, no, he's getting surgery, but we never got the announcement that he got the surgery. So I do want to know why the NHL doctor with Buffalo is saying don't get the surgery, but the second opinion, who I'm pretty sure is the New York State Hospital one, where like Tyler Sagan went and got all the surgeries, they said, no, you need to get this done. And Mm. there's a lot to it I also don't know. Like, I don't know how insurance plays into it. You know, if he goes for the second opinion outside of the organization, is that no longer covered? If things go wrong, does Buffalo have to cover it? I did read, uh, according to Elliot Freeman, if you go with the second opinion, you have to pay for it out of pocket. So it'd be all of Eichel's money. But there's a Which lot I more mean, to play. He makes a lot of money. So he it's... makes a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I, and he's fine with that. Like, he wants to get the surgery. But, you know, there's a lot more that plays into that. How much time is he going to miss in the season? How is that going to affect the roster? How does that affect insurance going forward with the league, right? So I do think a lot of this kind of is posturing to, you know, push for something. And answering kind of clickbaity, you know, bad questions from Harrington and Hamilton. But I also do, you know, there's another quote, I'm not sure if you have them all pulled up, JJ, where he said, you know, the team needs to do what's good for them. I need to do what's good for me. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of thinking to do this offseason. I have only so many years left playing this great game. And, you know, I got to figure out what's best for me. It's not very so encouraging. Wow. What it looks like really right wow. now from what I'm reading is it looks uh, I believe this is a quote from Eichel it's a a tweet so might not be but it says quote it doesn't work like that I wish I'm I wish I'm under contract with this team and they definitely hold a lot of cards on what I can and can't do and apparently the question was related to his body his choice question mark Um, yes so the idea almost looks like the the team's telling him you can't get that surgery even with the other guy yes that's where the the that's where the, the, you know, the disconnect between my organization, that's where that quote comes from, is in regards to the injury, he wants to get the surgery, the organization doesn't. So that's why he said there's a disconnect between what we want. So that's why I'm like, this is a bit of a sticky situation, because there could be a lot more to it that we don't know. If he gets you know, the surgery is a mystery thing. If he gets the and surgery... obviously, we don't know the medical res- results, so we don't yeah. know, none of us are doctors. No. Oh, okay. So if he gets the surgery, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the beginning. Is it likely he will not be ready for, like, next? is he going to be, it's, like, say again? Like, it's six play? months, I believe, is a recovery. It's a herniated sports neck injury. It's a, six months? a neck disc. It's, yeah. So that so could be another part of it, too, is, like, it's a really, you know, skin surgery on your neck is a big deal. And there's a lot of mm. risk to it, right? So the team's like, we can treat this better than doing surgery. 
Whereas on the other hand, you know, Eichel's point of view makes a lot of sense in that he's like, I've, I'm a freak of nature physically. I've given everything for this team. I want to do something to fix my body, and you're telling me no. Like, this is making me so angry. But on the other hand, there's been many times in Eichel's career where he's gotten hurt, and he took a lot longer to recover than expected. So I think it might be the team going, look, we know you want to get better. We want you better. You are our best player. You are our superstar. We are everything. You are everything to us. We don't want you to rush into something that might take you out long-term and even affect you long-term healthily-wise. So, again, I think it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot we don't know. I think there's a lot of posturing to get things done. But like Connor said, that he definitely is fed up with the losing. So what about I just think if, it's yeah, important but, to separate. What about if they, you know, they, obviously there's a lot of risk that, uh, you know, they, they don't want him to take the surgery and potentially, you know, limit his career, right? Maybe he's not the same player who comes out of it. But so what if they just trade him before the surgery, put that risk on someone else? <laughs> it's not our problem. I, that's another question. I don't know. I mean, what the risk is because when you trade a guy you have to di- disclose an injury but if the sabers go well that's not an injury you can play and then eichel gets there and he goes no i'm getting a surgery like i don't i'm not sure how that works legally with the nhl i, I don't think they, it's going to be easy to hide but i mean well, just well, you, fly now, so. hide now. you can't yeah, hide it. there's no hiding it so so the team that no, would be taking him would know the risk like it's they oh, would they, they'd have to oh yeah um but just on that thought about like how you mentioned that whole disconnect between the owners and the team, or the the team and Nikola, I should say, and how they, th- that's what they historically have done, take give them extra time to recover, recuperate, and all that, and now they're not. I think, or at least in my opinion, a lot of this comes down to everything right now is riding on this upcoming season. For Buffalo, a lot of pressure is this team has to do something now with these players before and they don't want to risk the fact that their best player is going to be gone and then that's going to throw everything out and they're just all their work is going to be up in flames even sadder than that it's not next season it's this season uh this offseason because reinhardt's an rfa he already made comments where he was like i don't want to go through a rebuild which he was the first one to speak so that was like really strange when reinhardt came on he's like i don't want to do a rebuild and everyone's like, why are you mentioning rebuild? Like, we're not. Like, it's just a retool. And then Eichel comes out and says what he says. And so everyone's like, oh. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah. I get it now. Reinhardt and Eichel are talking. And also, next summer, Eichel's no movement clause kicks in. And after how Kevin Adams got hosed by only being able to trade Taylor Hall to Boston, he knows, like, if he's going to make an Eichel move, it's this summer or it's never. That that's a huge risk because if Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs next year, they uh, they will now have the record for the longest playoff drought consecutively. And I don't years. think there's a way to avoid it. That like, yeah, there's a lot of places people expiring, right? But like Reinhardt and Eichel both don't want to go through this. You kind like if you're getting rid of one, you kind of have to get rid of the other because you you can't replace that caliber of player. Well, and the big question is Allmark. If I'm oh. Reinhardt, I'm not signing a contract until either Allmark's signed or another goalie's been signed to fill in his shoes. And that's the thing. Allmark spoke today. I totally forgot because he talked so little. You know, This was one of the hardest seasons of his life because his family's in Sweden and he has two young kids. And then his dad died. Yeah, that would be so Like Literally, his press conference was, I'm back in Sweden. I'm not thinking about anything hockey. When we do contracts, I'll figure that out when we do them. But, like, I'm just being with my family. 
So we don't even like Allmark. You know that's great for him. I'm so happy he can finally be with his family. But we don't know if he's going to resign. We don't know what direction he's going in. You know, and the good thing at least is you know we do hold the chips in that Reinhardt's an RFA. Uh, you know, Eichel's still signed for five more years. But a decision needs to be made this summer. Is this your core? How are you going to get them to the playoffs? Or are we going to sell these guys and do a rebuild? So should we do a poll? I mean, everyone, does Eichel get traded this postseason? I say yes. I can say, I can I can say yes. no. no. Even though yeah, I'm, I'm saying no. pessimistic, I hope so. I hope he does. For his own sake. <laughs> I hope he does, too. I don't, I don't know don't if anyone has to play the pieces, but... Uh... There is only one team in the Eichel race, and that's the LA? Rangers. Oh, Rangers. No, it's the Rangers. Really? I would say LA. I'm surprised by that. LA has the pieces. They haven't shown the interest. Um, New York has just been the best fit. They've shown the most interest. They have the most amount of pieces. They can't Lots of prospects. prospects. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And um, I know JJ and I have talked about this outside of the podcast, but you know, with the whole Tom Wilson thing and everything, you know, the Rangers are so upset. You know, do, their owner is so mad. He fired their GM and president because he wouldn't back him up. Unrelated. Unrelated. Yeah. And they hire Chris Drury. So Chris Drury is going to be pressured to make a move. And that's that's the big one. He used to play for Buffalo. Interesting. So I could absolutely see Chris Drury selling the goddamn farm to get Eichel and then signing some tough guys. Adam Fox, <laughs> Adam Fox and Lafreniere for Eichel. No. Calling it now. No. Last summer, <laughs> I don't when... Think so. uh, no. Last summer when the trade came through, when uh, Rangers called up LA, uh, Buffalo and they went, what do you want for Eichel? They said the first overall pick plus plus. Like, I think it's the first, it was the first overall two roster guys, two prospects. That's that the bar. ridiculous. Who would give that up? That's not worth it. Last time Eichel's a player, arguably uh, a top 10 player in the league. Last time Eichel, like a quality player like Eichel, got traded was Eric Lindros, and look how much got traded for him. Which is just nuts. Enough to win a Stanley Cup. And the difference was Eichel's playing. Lindros wasn't even playing. True. Well, so, Michael hasn't been playing <laughs> for a while with his injury. The only thing I don't see is we just don't see that anymore. Like, this is with how the salary cap works and contracts and everything. We just don't see superstars get traded anymore. Like, when was the last time a true yeah, top 10 player in I the mean, league got traded? Tavares just walked on free agency, right? Like, you know I mean? Yeah. They didn't even and even him. then, his he best years were past him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, for trading for Eichel, I think there are only four players in the league who are untouchables. Everyone else is fair game. Damn. Well, yeah. uh, that's all I have to say. How about you guys? Yeah, I think that caps it all. Yeah, we, we've got plenty. Thanks, yeah. uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, if you enjoyed the content, please uh, leave a like and subscribe. Uh, if you have any opinions you agree with or disagree with, please let us know in the comments. We do read them. I know there's not many, but, uh, <laughs> we, re <laughs> but we read them, and uh, we usually reply to all of them. So feel free to comment.